Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The man in the box sounds a little bit like JMV today. I've heard that before. Thankfully for John, he doesn't look like me. Uh, the substitute teacher, you normally hear me uh, during the show that leads up to this one. However... I am thrilled that my good friend JMV, because I do call him John, because you know we're friends in real life, not just on the radio. Um, when there was a window of time when I was technically his boss, dude would never take a day off. I like the fact that during the course of the summer, he's actually sneaking in some Mondays and Tuesdays off to recharge the batteries a bit. So, hello, how are you? My name is Greg Rakestraw, and I will be your tour guide between now and 6 o'clock here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fam. Uh, This is always a very unique time of year because we're just kind of running out of things to talk about locally before it all starts blowing up once again. From tomorrow... We are seven days out from the start of Indianapolis Colts training camp. And I've been doing this long enough now where things are always cyclical. The pattern always tends to be the same. We get to the first week of training camp and go, here we go, Colts training camp. Get about a weekend, we go, kind of need something else to talk about. And then we have preseason games a week after, and then it just kind of ramps up until we get to the start of the high school football season, college football season, NFL, and then... We get into, again, a familiar pattern, but a very busy one for the remainder of the year. The NBA Summer League gets our attention, oh, for a couple of days. And the Indiana Pacers look great when they played guys that already knew they were going to be on the roster. And then after that stopped, after Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson and Andrew Nemhard all stopped playing, well, the Indiana Pacers lost their last three summer games and nobody cares, gets a summer league. And now at least until there is maybe a potential other player move made by the Pacers between now and the start of training camp, we kind of put the Pacers off to the side. If something were to change in terms of their roster or personnel, then they go right back to the front of the line. Well then, what are we going to talk about? 
Well, um, in, in the interim, we've talked a little bit about the Cincinnati Reds. Talked a lot about the Cincinnati Reds because a lot of the guys happen to sit in this chair, myself or included, grew up as big-time Cincinnati Reds fans. And, you know, John can vividly remember the Big Red Machine winning back-to-back World Series championships. I was born four months, or I guess maybe two months, actually, after they won the last one of those two. So I heard about them, didn't experience them. Obviously, I was around for 1990, but it's been 33 years since I got to experience that. And, man, we were all gung-ho, guns a-blazing for the month of June and into early July. Well, Milwaukee Brewers may have uh, doused uh, a bit of a damper on our Reds party after coming in Cincinnati and sweeping them and then shutting them out in the first two games of the weekend and going back to before the All-Star break, having taken five of six. So maybe our our Reds are falling back to earth just a little bit, um, although they're, they're apparently another player transaction, another talented young player is making his way up. But maybe we talk a little bit less about the Reds because we've talked a lot about them a lot over the course of the last four or five weeks. And maybe that takes a little bit of a backseat now. Uh, I was prepared being the former, and let me emphasize that word, former tennis player that I used to be uh, and someone passionate about the sport, not as much now as, again, I used to be. I was like, all right, great. We can, we can have the Novak Djokovic conversation about the greatest of all time. Well, then Carlos Alcaraz gets in the way and gets and, and and again it's a it's a good thing for tennis that there is a next generation or at least one player of that generation that seemingly is ready to take the mantle because it has been the Federer Nadal Djokovic story almost for the last twenty years at this point, and while it is rare that in a sport. You can go, like the three best players to ever play the game were playing simultaneously. And that is the case. Those three dudes are the GOATs. Like the only other male tennis player you could argue is in that conversation is probably Rod Laver. Because Laver won a slam in the Am era in 62, then couldn't play in those events because he turned pro. As soon as that got opened up to the pros, he won another one in 69. And so because of the great unknown as to what might have been, you can put him in there. It's kind of compare the way he was as an athlete compared to what the guys are now. They're playing a totally different sport. But I was like, all right, we can we can have this greatest of all time conversation about Novak Djokovic. And frankly, I think he is or is going to rack up the titles where he will be by the time he hangs him up. But he didn't win yesterday. So I'm not going to talk as, you know, as, as much about that maybe as I had planned on in the program. Well, here are the things we are going to talk about today on the show. Obviously, you know, our focus in terms of IndyCar on this radio station tends to be heavily in the month of May. And then we are your place that you can find races, but maybe we don't talk about it all that much other than, say, trackside every Tuesday night or in last week's case, Wednesday night because of the All-Star game here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fam. Well, I tend to be an IndyCar nerd. Now, I'll admit to you, didn't watch yesterday's race. It was kind of twofold. Uh, I had baseball all weekend long with the ISC Sports Network. I was kind of locked in on calling like eight games over the course of two days. 
But I also would not have seen yesterday's race because yesterday was the Peacock exclusive race. And this is not my way of, of um, you know, being old man that yells at clouds and goes, I can't believe you didn't put this on over the air terrestrial television. I think the IndyCar series actually is a really good television deal. Like almost all of their races air on NBC. Most of the races that don't air on USA, this is the one kind of streaming exclusive. At the same time, there is kind of a certain limit as to how many streaming packages or plans you are going to have, whether it is ESPN Plus, check, Paramount Plus, check, ISC Sports Network, go ahead and check that box at iscsportsnetwork.com. It's worth your $4.99 a month, by God. But there comes a certain point like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tapped out in terms of um, the extra content I am willing to buy. For whatever reason, I have kind of drawn that line at Peacock. So I wasn't going to watch that race anyway. However, Alex Pillow didn't win it. That seems to be like a news story that is worthy of talking about on the show, you know, uh, in any IndyCar conversation, because Pillow's been on a heater, one that we haven't seen in a series that is known for its parody in quite some time. Well, it wasn't Alex's day yesterday. It was Christian Lungard's day yesterday. And again, I'll make the reference point to we tend to in Indianapolis for even, I think, some more of the diehard IndyCar fans, but especially those that are casual IndyCar fans, that they get fired up for the race in the month of May. They, you know, think occasionally about the, about the race. You know, hey, is it on tonight? Great. Is it, is, am I listening to it on the fan? Am I watching it on NBC? At least are cognizant of the results. You, you remember the, the struggles that Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan had in terms of finding speed for the 500. You forget that Christian Lingard was on the pole for the race before, as in the uh, Grand Prix to kick off the month. And he's had some solid results since that time, but still it is a win. And he will be joining us coming up at about 345. Uh, one thing you can do to pass the time, because the sun never sets on the basketball season in the state of Indiana, you can go check out Great Hoops at a couple of different locations for the rest of this month and early into August. I am on the airwaves twice this week, filling in for John today, obviously until 6 o'clock. Uh, I'll get my turn at the Fan Midday Show coming up on Wednesday afternoon. And I tend to have a relationship with both of the different organizers of some great summer pickup leagues, pro-ams action, where you can see guys that are playing in the league, currently playing college basketball, guys that play overseas, etc. There's the City League downtown, and there's the Dizzy Runs Pro-Am up at Mojo Up Fieldhouse up in Noblesville on the northeast side. So today... We'll try to get Kyle Guy on the program. He is slated to join us at 4 o'clock. Looking forward to catching up with him. I had the pleasure of broadcasting that event's championship game last year and scheduled to do it again this year, coming up on Friday, August the 4th. So uh, Kyle Guy will join us coming up a little bit after 4. That league is now, I want to say, two weeks in, if not three, uh, to their schedule. And again, their championship is August 4th, so we'll talk to Kyle about that, uh, see if he's going back to Spain for another year and playing, but just generally catching up. I'm sure there's some Bengals conversation. He's a big-time Bengals fan, would be warranted. We'll talk with him coming up a little bit later on in the program, too. 
Um, I mentioned Christian Lungard, a little more IndyCar with Nick Yeoman late in the four o'clock hour. But the other thing that you know to expect from me is a little soccer conversation and probably some high school sports in there as well. And trust me, I'll get to that off the very top of the program coming up here in just a couple of moments. Um, but obviously, you know me as the voice of the Indy 11. That carries over for both the men and the women. The men's team was off this weekend. They are back in action Saturday night against Tampa Bay Rowdies. To me, it is the women's team that takes the center stage this week. Very fittingly, as a Women's World Cup begins on Thursday in Australia and New Zealand. The Indy 11 women play in the W League. That would be the second highest rated league in this country as of now because there is one professional league, the NWSL. I want to say the NWSL currently has 12 teams, closest to one in Chicago, one in Louisville. There is a second professional league that will launch next year, the USL Super League. The Indy 11 plans to have a team playing in that in 2025 when 11 Park is done, as I point over my right shoulder, just down the street. But the W League is a league that has former pros playing, aspiring pros playing, and current collegiate players. Indy 11 have played in that league the last two years. Last year, they reached the league quarterfinals. They were beaten by the eventual league runners-up. Well, the Indy 11 women have won three playoff matches. And on Friday night, they beat a very good team out of San Francisco 3-2 in front of a packed house indoors at Grand Park. And they will now get to host the W League championship match. The last two teams out of 65 that played in the league this year will meet at Carroll Stadium on Saturday afternoon. And the Indy 11 are offering you a whale of a deal. One ticket gets you two matches. If you want to stay there and kind of tailgate and camp out between games, you can do that. In other words, you only pay to park one time. Two o'clock women's championship against the North Carolina Courage, their U23 Academy team, against the Indy 11. And there is some remarkable symmetry here because the first ever match in the history of the Indy 11 came against the, you don't want to say sister team, but maybe the brother team would be the the, the right, that doesn't sound right either, um, the component men's team, there you go, uh, from North Carolina, which was at the time known as the Carolina Railhawks, uh, and now the women's teams will play each other for a league championship. I get to have the call of both games. I am very fortunate that I get this really unique doubleheader coming up on Saturday. Women's match at 2, men's match at 7. Frankly, I will talk more about the women's match this week when I have this platform because I think it's more unique. I think it's more special. The men are kind of an average team right now in the middle of their season. The women have a chance to bring home a trophy, and they are doing it largely with players, not exclusively, but largely that are from this area, like people that played their high school soccer at places like Carmel and Triton Central and Delta and Zionsville and Noblesville or played college soccer at Purdue or Butler or Xavier or played, you know, whatever the case may be. You get the point. There's a lot of ladies that either have played professionally or are aspiring to play professionally, but most of them are from here. And so I'm going to use kind of the platform that I've got to talk about this. It's not going to be something I'm talking about for three hours on the program, but you're going to get a segment of it both today 
as well as on Wednesday. That segment today will be the next segment of the show. Grace Barr has been a big part of the Indy 11 women's success over the last couple of years. Kind enough to join me about 30 minutes before training hits coming up at 4 o'clock. Grace will join us in the next segment of the show. So, guests at 3.15, I'm sorry, 3.30, 3.45, 4 o'clock, and 4.45. If you want to interact with me, 317-239-1070. Email the program, greg at 1070thefan.com. You can always tweet to me as well, at Greg Rakestraw. And I'm, like, terrible about, like, checking the comments in the lounge. Like, John Quasi lives there during the course of the show. I always say I'm going to check, and I don't. Probably because I don't want to see, like, my picture back on YouTube, like, staring at me as I'm talking. That strikes me as kind of weird. Um, so, so I say I'll check it. I probably won't. So, Twitter... Uh, email and telephone calls are the way to go. And the entirety of the five o'clock hour will be you and me. And we'll figure something out from a conversation point and standard to have. The other thing that I feel compelled to talk about off the very top of the show is a sporting event that I did on Friday night. And it's one of these things that because of how it ended, there has been far more conversation about the game than there would have been had it played out under normal circumstances. So on Friday night, I did the North-South All-Star game, the IFC, the IFCA North-South All-Star Classic. It is the annual high school football game that pits uh, some of the best high school players in the state, mostly the guys that will play from, say, the FCS level on down. So if you've got a big-time recruit that's going to Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Notre Dame, a kid's not playing in the game. But if the, if the kid's going to play at Indiana State, um, potentially Ball State, UIndy, Marion, Wabash, DePaul, Franklin, et cetera, and, and community colleges, places like that um, outside of Indiana, um, those kids, a good chance, are going to play in the game. There's an equal mixture of kids from all the 10 different regions around the state. There's an equal mixture of kids that play in 1A football through 6A football. But there's really good players, a lot of kids that played for state championships, et cetera, et cetera. And I have been doing this game maybe every year for 14, 15 years. We didn't have one in 2020. I think if I went back and looked, I have probably done that game every year it's been played from probably about 2007 on. The game ended with four minutes left to go because the game was called by the referee because of a series of unsportsmanlike penalties, because of a series of uh, dust-ups. There, there, were, there were not fights, there were not fracases, but there were kind of uh, collision points that uh, were happening. Something that was atypical for that game, as someone that's been around it for 20 years... And obviously, that became the much bigger story other than the South won the game by a score of 21-2. to The story became, hey, this All-Star Showcase was ended with four minutes left to go. As soon as that decision was made, I just kind of dropped my head because I knew that is the only thing that will be talked about about that game. Because normally, game's over. Hey, this was a great send-off for these kids. For most of them, on to the college football. For a handful of them, this last time they were put on the pads. Um, thank you, good night, and then we do it again. You know, fifty-two weeks later, and the game kind of comes back into our consciousness. Uh, you know, for, for a week, 
you know, kind of on the high school sports landscape. And I had several people that either called me or texted me, said, hey, um, tell me about what happened. And so the way that I've described it is this. It's probably not as bad as you heard. It's still not good. The fact that the officials felt compelled to even think about ending that game early tells you that there's going to be a little more scrutiny maybe on who is selected, how guys conduct themselves for this event going forward. This is an event that has gone on for decades. And the caliber of play can kind of be up and down at times. But what it really is, I jokingly call it like the summer family reunion of Indiana high school football. A, there was 5,500 people that were in attendance at that game that were at Decatur Central on Friday night. B, I had the pleasure of broadcasting it. We streamed it on ISC. We actually had a television partner in WHME in South Bend uh, that was uh, providing uh, coverage for the game. Um, and, And so there's interest in it. But really what it is, it's kind of a chance for everybody that works in high school football as a coach, as an official, um, whatever the case may be, we all kind of see each other every July. And it's one of those situations like, all right, you kind of know, all right, we're you know we're a couple of weeks out from the high school football season starting in terms of practice. We're five weeks out from the start of the high school football season in terms of games. This kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now. I don't, I, I don't say this to be overdramatic. They're not going to not play the game going forward, all right? It's not to that point where we're going to stop playing the game. You always get some social media uh, keyboard warriors that take things a bit too far. I think it's more embarrassing than anything else. Um, I think there might be a little more of a stricter review of, uh, of, of who's playing in the game and how things like that get handled. And I was on the field. I was obviously in the press box. Maybe the step of of ending the game might have gotten a little bit too far. But I'll be the first to tell you, and I said this a couple of times in the broadcast, I've never seen the game that chippy before. I mean, there, there was a player ejected in the first half for some of the actions that he had. Maybe it was simply the heat and humidity on the turf that night that caused everybody's blood to boil a little bit. And again, if if this is done during a different time of year maybe there's a little less attention going on but because it is one of the rare times where there's not much going on in sports all of a sudden this kind of comes to the forefront so if someone wants to talk about it with me on the show today I'm, I'm happy to do it I talked about the good of high school sports I'll talk about the bad as well um was this embarrassing yes uh was this a full-on brawl not even close not even close to anything like that, but knowing I've been a voice that's associated with that specific event, and lucky enough to be considered one of the voices of high school football in this state, and knowing I had this platform here today, I figured I would talk about it right off the jump of the show. Embarrassing? Yes. Um, do you maybe change a, a handful of things going forward? Yes. Uh, was it the end of the world? No. Just embarrassing. It's kind of like one of those moments where you know, your parent would say, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. That's kind of what I think the proper emotional connotation involved with what happened on Friday night should be. So there you go. If there's something that you want to talk about that I haven't brought up, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, 
Greg at 1070thefan.com is the email. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number. Women's soccer in segment two. I guarantee JMB's probably never done that before on the show. But I will next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Should have saved this when we have Chris Denary on the show. Like he and Hootie are boys. Absolutely. Darius Rucker and Chris Denary have become friends over the years. You have hit my age demographic, by the way, since Cracked Rearview blew up when I was a freshman in college. Greg Rakestraw in for JMB. See, James is normally used to JMB being the DJ over here and yelling like Q during breaks. We can pick out exactly what song he wants to play. When the substitute teacher is here, James has to guess, okay, what music do I think the host likes? But what James doesn't know is like, um, I do like the non-radio thing and I like talk up. I mean, you know, I hear a sound and I talk about it. So I, I will like converse about the music that gets played, you know, during the course uh, of the show. 317-239-1070. But I will handle the heavy lifting for the next couple of segments of the show. Um, from a play-by-play standpoint this week, I get to kick back a little bit. And for as much as I love what I do for a living, um, A, the pipes could use the break. But B, I'm saving up my energy for a soccer doubleheader coming up on Saturday afternoon. The men play the Tampa Bay Rowdies at 7, but the Indy 11 women will play for a W League championship. Few will have a better seat than me. I would consider being one of the starting center backs having a better seat than me, except that she won't have a seat at all. She'll be, you know, hoofing it up and down, putting miles uh, on the tires. That would be Grace Barr, who joins us now, getting ready to complete her second year with the Indy 11 with hopefully a league championship. Grace, thanks for the time before practice. How you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. And obviously, you probably recognized from the early going last year, this was pretty special in terms of the operation and the opportunity here. But to now be playing for a championship this week, just kind of your your immediate thought to knowing uh, you've got a potential title on your hands five days from now. Yeah, I think, one, it's amazing to, to have put ourselves in this position to play in the championship. And what's even better is that we get to host and have it at home um, with as many fans as we can bring in. I, I mentioned it after the game the semifinals last week it's we have a 12th man with our atmosphere and our community so we're really excited um we got one more win to go so in five days that's that's the goal uh friday night was one of the rare times i could not be uh there at grand park uh to watch you guys in action so a thanks for getting another game so i could call the final uh, i greatly appreciate that uh but b what the the atmosphere sounded great as i went back and watched the match on saturday morning what was it like from a player's standpoint yeah, I think it was amazing as a player. Player, um, There were a lot of goals in that game, and no matter whose goal it was, we always had the support. So I think that was incredible. Um, it definitely proves some difficult.
difficulty sometimes when we're trying to get attention um, <laughs> from the, from our coach or in between each other. I think I screamed Sam Dewey's name about five times before she heard me. But um, it's all in it's all an amazing appreciation because we would not be where we are without the support that we have. I'll try to quickly explain your background. Play collegially at both Xavier and Wisconsin. You went to camp with Racing Louisville in the NWSL in, in 2021. Uh, so for a lot of players in this league, this is kind of you know what you do in the summer to get yourself ready for the upcoming season for a handful of players it's hey I, I want to try to you know get to a professional level what's the goal that you have in terms of playing for the Indy 11 what do you think your soccer future is going to entail for you at this point yeah I think um I think I'm in an interesting phase because I come back and I play, um, and I prove to myself more than anybody else that, that I can still put in the minutes, that I can still put in the miles, um, and I still have that love and passion for the game. So I think for me, my sights are set on the Super League. When the stadium's ready, when Indy's ready to, to put their stamp on professional women's soccer, I think I'm still going to be ready to lace up my boots and see what I can contribute. So many players you know, are, are hoping to – say, take this and go play overseas. Or as you well know, you've got teammates that have played overseas and now are back here, you know, working full-time and, and then kind of playing on the side. Is, is the European route something that interests you or do you want to stay here in the States? Um, I was in Europe. Yep. I missed I miss the first game of this year, um, and that is because I was pursuing an opportunity overseas um, in Denmark. So, the culture and the experience of traveling to Europe, it does interest me, but I think there's a lot to offer um, that people aren't quite aware of unless you're on this indie team. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to stay here um, and pursue that, but um, soccer, soccer definitely still has my heart and my goals right now. Again, uh, Grace Barr joining us. She's been one of the two-year members of the Indy 11. She was actually a player assistant coach for the team last year. Focusing her skills in terms of playing this year for the squad. Joining us, Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. Um, how has Indy been to you? Because, again, you're from you know around the Midwest, but not kind of one of the Indy-based players like so many. Uh, has this kind of become like your adopted hometown the last couple of years? Yeah, um, it's been great. I moved here by myself um, a little over a year ago, and the community, the people um, – the groups that I've got myself into have been incredibly welcoming. Um, I think the Midwest is home to me wherever it is, so it's been great to have a home base here in Indy and consider this um, a new a new era for where I where I live and, and grow in this phase of my life. All right, so with that, you're going to go from the great indoors to uh, playing outdoors, and I'll be honest, Grace, I have not looked at what the forecast kind of entails for Saturday afternoon. I would imagine that turf is going to be warm at 2 o'clock on Saturday. What's going to be like for you and your teammates making the transition from outdoor to indoor coming up this weekend? Yeah, I think we've had the luxury to train outdoors most of the year, um, except for when we choose to train indoors to prep for games. So um, we have a good practice schedule of preparation ahead of us to get used to that. But, I mean, there's nothing going to compare to the adrenaline. Um, and like you said, I'm sure, <laughs> sure the turf is definitely going to give us some – some heat so I think for us it's just focusing on what we can control and 
suffering through um, what the weather might be um, on the hopes of winning a championship. All right. Obviously, you're kind of focused on your own championship. But as I said off the top of the show, it's fitting that I'm going to talk more women's soccer this week on this radio station because the Women's World Cup, you know, is, is like less than 72 hours away from starting. How big of a topic of conversation is that amongst you and your teammates uh, as you train for one more week this season? Yeah, I think um, we talk about it briefly. I think I talk about it more than most um, because <laughs> I I played with Roosevelt at Wisconsin. Um, her family and my family are really good friends. So my support lies um, through and through with her and the team. So they might be sick of me talking about it, but I will talk about it until they, they win the World Cup as well. So it's been great. Um, we're really looking forward to it. All right. So, uh, for again, this is going to be remedial for some. But just to explain, Rose Lavelle is one of the top American players, and there's only, I think, nine that have previous World Cup experience. Clearly, she has some. Uh, I'll lean on you for some inside knowledge. They kind of held her out of that last friendly. Injury-wise, she's going to be okay for the World Cup? Oh, yeah. She's set. She's ready. Um, Rose is an amazing player. She knows how to control her body, and she has a group of people around her that um, support that. So she's ready to go, and, and I'm all for her scoring some more goals, hopefully in the World Cup final to win gold again, but along the way as well. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm going to let you kind of act as your own PR agent here in terms of for the team. Uh, obviously, when you and I have had conversations in the past, it's been largely for our soccer audience uh, on Soccer Saturday. But this is a much broader group that is listening here. What are the reasons why someone should come and watch you and your teammates play for a championship on Saturday afternoon? What do you want them to see when you're playing at Carroll Stadium coming up on Saturday? Um, yeah, I think for everybody, one, it's a, it's a great experience um, just to be surrounded by a group of people cheering for a common cause. So families, um, relatives, kids, parents, I think the atmosphere provides an opportunity for everybody to have fun. And then for those who want to watch a competitive match and see people come together in such a short amount of time, I think it'll be less than three months in total. Um, we're a really special group of girls from age 15 to age 28 um, who are going to all be fighting for each other and for a great cause to win championships. So I think outside of soccer, it's just an electric atmosphere. And then if you're looking for that so- soccer-specific um, area, I mean, we're, we're ready to play. We're going to get down and dirty if we have to. Um, we'll play pretty soccer if we have to as well. But our eyes are set on winning that championship. You got that left foot dialed in on the free kick if needed you had earlier this year? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saving another one uh, <laughs> for this occasion, hopefully. That was a beauty uh, that you had, I think, on Father's Day, if I remember right, uh, when, when you put that yes. one uh, upper 90 on the right side. I, I know you've got training coming up, so I know you're busy. Grace, thanks for the time. I'll see you Saturday at the mic. Take care. Thank you so much. You got it. Grace Barr of the Indy 11 kind enough to join us. I think I'll have another player uh, join the midday show uh, when I am doing that coming up on Wednesday. Again, 317-685-1100 if you want tickets. Indy11.com. And again, one ticket will get you into both matches on Saturday. You can pay once to park. And as long as you leave your car there, you don't have to pay a second time. Two matches for the price of one, and one may get you a championship. Indy11.com has more information. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. Uh, I'm not sure if Christian Lundgaard will compete for an IndyCar championship this year, but it does have an IndyCar victory from yesterday on the streets of Toronto. 
and he will join us next. It's Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMB. It's The Ride on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It is the ride without JMV. He is getting a very well-deserved day off. He is back in the saddle tomorrow. My name is Greg Rakestraw. And again, we are in the, I wouldn't say the mid-July doldrums, but, you know, I'm not one that just tries to, you know, dig up the same old things when there's simply nothing going on. The Indiana Pacers Summer League is now over. We were all infatuated with it last week when, like, the top players were playing, but... After winning their first two games, they lost their last three. And no, the sky is not falling. It's the Summer League. They're done with it. And so now we kind of play the waiting game for the Pacers. Is there one more roster move or big trade remaining? Or is this largely the core of players they are going to have going to training camp in October? Obviously, we are on the eve of the Indianapolis Colts going to training camp, as in a week from now. And frankly, you don't want to hear Colts news this time of year. I'm sure you want to talk about it, but you don't want to hear kind of like new news. Like, in other words, usually you hear something about a player on your team before training camp starts. It's not good news. But we can have a Colts conversation if you'd like. But obviously, with, again, it kind of being one of those rare downtimes, it allows us to expand the palette, so to speak. And something that you hear on these airwaves, well, all year long due to trackside. And of course, for 17 races, because us being the home of the IndyCar series, well, you get to hear us talking about all things IndyCar. Well, we have a first time winner that is getting ready to join us now because yesterday he was the fastest around exhibition place on the streets of Toronto. And now I don't think I have ever gotten to ask this question as a first question to a guest as Christian Lungard joins us. Christian, have you officially shaved the mustache at this point? Hi, uh, and yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the mustache got uh, got taken off in the yesterday, which was, uh, was, which was pretty special. Um, and also the, the most special part of that was I made this, uh, what I call a stupid deal with, with my best friend, uh, in December last year. And, and we shook hands on it and we agreed on it. And then I, after the fact, I told him that the first race was in March. So we, we had to live with it up until then, at least. And, and he was there to share the moment with me. So it, it made it extra special for sure. Uh, are, are, obviously you are glad the mustache is gone because of what it means. You got that race win. But had you grown to appreciate the mustache, or did you like look at yourself in the mirror every day and go, "My goodness, you're a dope"? Why did you make that bet? I mean, it was more actually. He had a mustache about a month before that, and when I saw him, I, I told him to get rid of it. And then, uh, as stupid as I am, I we 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 spend that one month, and then I ask him if we should make this uh, this bet, and, and we agreed on it, and it was there, and, and now it's gone. And, and obviously, like you mentioned, for the, the reason why it's gone is is because of the, the first win. Um, and now we, we're going into a part of the season where I know we have more opportunities. So uh, I might need to grow it back out. I say you, you get a streak, you, you don't mess with a streak. You gotta leave the, if you keep winning, the mustache has to stay off. Um, obviously, exactly. you, you have been close. Uh, it's 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 been three seasons, really only two calendar years since you first made the jump to be here in August of 2021. 
what was the difference yesterday? In other words, what were the hurdles you were able to overcome that for whatever reason maybe you didn't in previous races when you had the opportunity? I think, yeah, we, we had a very, very fast car. Uh, we proved that in qualifying, even under the, the mixed and, and tricky conditions we had with, with rain in the middle of qualifying, the track drying up, and, and we were fast in, in Group 1. Uh, I think we were second in, or second or third in, in the first part of qualifying, and I got transferred into Fast 6, and once the, the, the track dried up, we knew that we had to go on slicks and, and give it everything we, we got. Uh, kind of the mentality was, the, last, the worst thing that can happen is that we're going to start sixth. Um, so obviously getting the, the pole, we had our, our brilliant strategy to, to try to pull away early in, early in the race to, to just pull that gap and, and make the, the race easier for us later on, which it ended up doing. Um, and I do believe we had uh, the fastest, one of the fastest cars, not the fastest car on the track yesterday. You're, you, you're seventh right now in the points. As I quickly just do you know, a, a scan through the standings, in 10 races, you have finished you know, in the top 10 in six of those events. So d- do you view it as, hey, I, I've had a successful year? Because again, I, I talked about how crazy the prism is of, of looking at everything through the Indy 500 when it was such a struggle for speed for you and for Jack and for Graham. So is, is that just the indie bias of the series? Do you look at it and say, hey, 2023 has been really good for us? Kind of your thoughts on that. I think I, I, I touched base on this uh, about a week ago uh, in, in some interviews where, where they asked me. Um, and honestly, I do think we've had a very strong season. Uh, if, if you exclude the overall performance that we've had this year and and perhaps even Long Beach uh, and, and Detroit, I think uh, th- those weekends are outstanders in terms of, I think, the performance we've had lately. Um, and I, I think we're making progress. I mean, last year we didn't win a race. Now we've, we've won Toronto. Um, and, and we're only going to come back stronger. We're going into Iowa next week and uh, driving the high V car, the high V mm-hmm. event. Uh, we got, we were with a previous um, race winner and we have the first box because we're on pole. So, you know, we're, we're going in there with absolutely uh, the most pressure possible. Uh, but we're going to go out there and give it everything we have. It's it's one thing to go oval racing, which is obviously a primarily you know American you know interest in motorsport. The Bullring Short Track Oval, kind of the only time you really kind of do anything like this. I mean, St. Louis is obviously almost double the size of of Iowa. What was it like for you to adapt to that for the first time last year in the Iowa weekend of 2022? I I enjoy Iowa. Uh, it's it's a fun little track. It's very bumpy. It's tricky. Uh, we tested there earlier this season, and and we were competitive. I think uh, the Andretti cars will be strong. We know the Penske's will be strong as well, uh, but we we did have some pace, and and I matched my lap time from from previous from last year, uh, basically on my first run on on the track, and and we ended up having some cars car issues that um, that basically ruined the rest of our afternoon, so we didn't get to run. So we missed half a day of the test. Uh, but the other two cars were, were running strong and, and making improvements. So going in there, I think we can be quite confident. Uh, I've gained a lot of confidence on the ovals compared to last year. So, And considering where we are in the standings and, and the momentum we're carrying right now, I do think that we can do something good. Uh, I'm not going to say that we're going to go out and win the race because uh, I, I know Joseph and, and Pado will definitely be, be tough opponents to, to beat, but 
we're going in the, with the momentum that they don't have right now. So uh, I hope that will be on our side as well. There are always sponsored obligations. It's part of what you do as a, as a racer. It allows you to do what you do uh, from a passion standpoint. But you've, you touched on it. You're driving the high V car at an event that exists back at the Iowa Speedway because of high V's involvement with the series. So, uh, so I guess just what does that make it even kind of more unique what that race weekend is for you coming up? I mean, uh, I've got everything laid up for me, Uh, you know, going into that weekend, now leaving from from a race win, driving the high V car at the high V event. And and on top of that, it's actually my birthday on the Sunday of the weekend. So (laughs) it's it's definitely it's it's definitely my weekend by the sound of it. So we hope we'll just have a clear race weekend. Um, No, no small incidents or or failures or any any small problems that will uh, that will hold us back. But. You know, right now in the in the championship, we're carrying momentum. Um, and, and from my perspective, it's kind of me and Alex Pelu that has been carrying the, the best momentum lately. So um, we know where he is in the championship and, and how well he's been performing. So if we can carry the, 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 that momentum throughout the rest of the season... I don't think we'll catch him, but I definitely think we can we can get close to or to to where he is right now. Christian Lungard, our guest, race winner yesterday in Toronto, kind enough to join us day after on the ride. Greg Rakestraw in for JMV, ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan again, being the sponsorship car of the event, has its perks. Do you get to like go up on stage with Carrie Underwood, Kenny Chesney, Zach Brown, Ed Sheeran, who are all scheduled to appear coming up this weekend in Iowa? Uh, not that I'm uh, aware of at the moment, but I'm sure uh, there, there's things right now that I don't know of that I most likely have to do. But, you know, I, I go in um, with, with full expectations of, of having to do stuff that I don't know of right now and <laughs> and go in with, with, with just pure enjoyment. Um, we're, we're going off a race win um, and everything Heidi is, is doing for, for, for our team, for, for me and, and for the series, um, you know, we, we want to give, give back to them as well. So, uh Whatever they want me to do, I'll be, I'll be right there. Well, also, you can do it without a mustache, uh, which, which is a, a big part of, of the fun of it as well. We're now 23 months removed from you first making the jump over to the States to run for Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing. Um, has the experience, I'm sure, has it been everything you thought it would be and more? Uh, is this kind of what you thought it would be going into it? Just overall, you're about to hit the two-year mark of, of riding in the IndyCar Series full-time or driving in the IndyCar Series full-time. What has it been like? What what has been kind of the, the biggest surprise or development on, on that front in your estimation? Honestly, I think the, the, the biggest uh, change I believe that I have made is just experience, understanding the circuits, understanding uh, especially the ovals, pure confidence. We've started every weekend faster than, than we did last year. Uh, just from a confidence point of view and, and now knowing all the circuits and, and et cetera, um, and the team has done well preparing me uh, from last year to this year and and even preparing the, the team it's, itself. Um, and obviously it helps that we are making improvements. Um, but honestly, it's it's just being race smart. It's, it's understanding how the races uh, work out. Um, this weekend was a great example of, yes, we're in the lead of the race. We come out as seventh um, under the last caution uh, pit stop circle and, you know, understanding where you are in the real race because we had three cars ahead of us that needed to pit. We had three cars ahead of us that pitted five laps earlier and we, even us, we were short on fuel. So, you know, just understanding these kind of things is things that I never thought of um, last year. And I, I just have more awareness of, of, of everything around me. And, and I think that has made a huge difference. 
Well, again, we're all now aware you're a race winner, no longer a mustache wearer, and also because of this conversation, I know to wish you a happy early birthday, and I hope for your sake, the success of this Sunday is repeated this coming Sunday. You can celebrate a race win on your 22nd birthday. Christian, I know you're busy. I appreciate your time. Congrats on win number one. Hope it's the first of many, and uh, as many safe trips around the Oval at Iowa this weekend. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. You got it. Christian Lungard, kind enough to join us again, the driver, the number high V, 45. And thanks to Kathy Lauterbach and the folks from Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanning and Racing for making that possible. Uh, two races this weekend in Iowa. You can hear them both right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll take this quick timeout. Women's soccer and IndyCar. Not often a combination you hear in terms of talk radio. We'll get back to basketball. There you go. Kyle Guy will be joining us next. It's Greg Rakestraw in for JMV. 93.5107.5 The Fam. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. One hour in the books. Two hours left to go. Greg Rakestraw, I sound like JMV. I don't... I think I could do with the JMB takeover on Saturday nights. I would not do it with the musical knowledge nor the passion that won JMB. What I felt bad. I had a song lined up for him to play, and then I kind of got like busy. I never got to call. I called the show like at eight thirty on Saturday night, and he didn't answer. You know, he was like busy and never called back. So that was less primus you got to hear apparently on B one zero five seven than you were intended to. I'll try to restart my streak. On Saturday, uh, we go from one guest to another to another. Uh, I'll be seeing him coming up on April the four, April August the fourth, as in a Friday night for the championship of the Dizzy Runs Pro Am. He is part of the Brain Trust that puts together. He's also still one hell of a point guard. It is Kyle Guy that joins us now. KG, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. What is this like being a part of this event the second year around after helping get it off the ground last summer? Yeah, it's bigger and better, man. We just try to keep making improvements and getting better players, um, you know, from around the country. But definitely with a uh, focus on Indiana, we've been able to do that. How active do you get in the recruiting process? Or after you kind of put this together for the first year, does, does a lot of that kind of kind of take care of itself? The only easier part this year than last year is I already have everybody's numbers for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, no, I'm 100% in in the recruiting process. I do um, a lot of it myself, and um, you know, I just I just think it's important, and so I like, and I'm a little bit of a control freak too. So, um, and I'm su- trying to be super organized, so I'm always blowing these guys up, and uh, you know, thankfully they they deal with me. So, why why was this something that you always wanted to do? And I, I, I'm friends with Carlos Knox, who put one of these together. You know, you go to a lot of major cities. There's always kind of a, a a great league for guys that are playing professionally or have played in college or are playing in college now. Why was this so important to you? Yeah, I just I just felt like you know, ever since the Carlos Knox one, there really hasn't been one. Um, City League puts on a good one. Um, down at Tech, but, you know, I just felt like we could do bigger and better, and that's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, you know, I have an AU program and, and more, so I'm always trying to give back, and I felt like 
um, you know, Indianapolis is such a hotbed for basketball, but, like, uh, the pros don't, like, when they come back, there's not, like, this big NBA trainer or this big, like, pro-am where they can get their work in. And so that's what we wanted to establish, and we've been able to do so. All right, so you've had a mix of players. I remember Miles Colvin played the championship game last year. He was getting ready to get into his high school senior year. And most of the guys are current college players, former local college players that play in Europe, and, and guys that, that are lucky enough to get to play in the NBA. But you had one of those upcoming high school players play last week, and I'm sure that garnered a lot of attention. What was it like seeing Flory Badunga out there on the floor last week for this? Yeah, it was it was great, man. He is a man uh, amongst boys, even at that level. Um, you know, even playing with with these pros, he's a special talent. Um, he's coming back again tomorrow night, um, and we yeah we have a, our best week yet coming on Tuesday with with full of players. All right, so feel free to plug away here. Tease us up. Who are some of the? I know you can't name everybody. There's like sixty dudes that are playing. Give me some uh-huh. of the headliners that are playing tomorrow night. Yeah, so the high schoolers, we I, I only let a select few high schoolers. So Flory's playing again. Braylon Mullins from Greenfield uh, yep. Central. Design Hall from uh, Tenley. Um, uh, oh, Stevie Reynolds from uh, up north in, in South Bend. Yep. Um, and then college players will have Pierre Brooks from Butler. Um, and then pros will have uh, the Teague brothers. We'll have, uh, let's see, Andre Owens and Shane Winnington, who had a short stint with the Pacers. Um, myself, I always play. Um, and then we have uh, the next two weeks. We'll have some Pacers players. I'm not going to say who. I think they need. I think that the people need to come see uh, for themselves. But we'll have some Pacers players the next two weeks um, on these next two Tuesdays. So, uh, and then as you said, always overseas guys and, and pros that um are, are, are from indiana Devontae smith vera indiana legend he's playing so a lot of guys and again mojo up field house up in noblesville off of bowden road just north north 146th street exit 210 uh to uh, to go watch this again hooping tomorrow night first game tomorrow night starts at what time uh 6 30 uh we'll have three games at 6 30 going on at one time and then we'll have the main premier game with pacers players and a couple other guys uh, that'll be at 7 45 all right, very cool. So, again, we'll, we'll plug that again one more time before we uh, let Kyle exit stage left. Uh, when you and I talked last year in the postgame show of the championship, you were literally getting ready to head over to Spain. What was your experience like with uh, Joven Toot uh, a, a year ago? Yeah, man, it was, it was great, honestly. I can't complain. I live just north of Barcelona, um, and, uh, you know, I was a 10-minute walk from the beach, played great in the best basketball league in the world outside of the NBA uh, domestically in Spain and um, got to travel the world, spent Christmas in Switzerland. Like I don't have a whole lot to complain about, man. I'm uh, super fortunate and, and had a pretty good season myself. So, All right. That's, thankfully, a buddy of mine played for this team, so I can actually, I think, pronounce them somewhat properly. Panathinaikos is where you are yeah. heading uh, to play in Greece. Why was mm-hmm. that kind of the, the next stop in the world tour for you? Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, it was just the best offer I could get. Um, and, um, sorry. Um, yeah, it was the best offer, um, I could get in terms of everything from money to playing time to living experience to, uh, everything. And they are a really good team with one of the best histories in Europe. And, you know, I, like I said, I like traveling the world. So Athens was uh, the next place on the, on the, on the bucket list. Uh, is this something where if, you know, and there are guys I could rattle off like Chandler Thompson, uh, Kenny Barlow, uh, you know, of a younger generation like David Logan. These are friends of mine that have, you know, now done this 10, 15 years and, and played 
the entirety of their career in Europe. If if that's the way the route that it goes for you, you okay with that? Oh yeah, you know I'm, I'll never say no to the NBA, um, <laughs> but I, I I felt that I you know did everything in my power and showcased that I can play at that level, and I believe that in my heart, and I think other people do too. So I'm content with with that and knowing that it's out of my control. So I'm, you know, just trying to secure my financial freedom for, for my son. Again, Kyle Guy, kind of to join us. Dizzy Runs Pro-Am. The next installment of it starts tomorrow night at 6.30 at Mojo Up Fieldhouse in Noblesville. Premier game or premier game is at 7.45. Championship game of this quick run comes up on Friday, August 4th. Kind of join us here on the ride without JMV. Greg Rakestraw filling in, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. When people see you out and about in Indianapolis, do they most often want to talk to you about the Pro-Am, about your days at Lawrence Central, or about winning a national championship at Virginia? What's the first thing that comes up in conversation? Uh, it changes. It's a good mix. You know, I, I do think being back home, there's a lot of people that want to reminisce. Um, and so we talk a lot about LC or Virginia. Um, but with how big the um, – the program's been getting, um, and you know my stint in the NBA. I, I, I it start. It just changes every time, man. I don't know how to explain it. Man. I literally, I'm at Target right now. I just saw somebody <laughs> he dapped me up and uh, and wanted to talk about LC. So it just changes every time. You're a popular guy. People recognize you in the community. Uh, last time I saw you, by the way, the, the hair flow was majestic. Has it gotten even better <laughs> since you were in Europe? Are, are you at your summer buzz cut? What are the locks looking like right now? Yeah, summer buzz cut, man. It was too much to keep up with. Uh, so I I decided to. Uh, Cut it all off, and now we're rocking just a real normal, real normal cut. Uh, Kyle, it's it, some of us are follically challenged, you know, so we don't have the option. We kind of got to work what we have. So I, I, right. I, I wish I could have uh, those options that you do with that. Uh, what was it like following your LC Bears and your Virginia Cavaliers and your Cincinnati Bengals? What was it like following them from overseas a year ago? Well, it was uh, difficult because I had to watch everything the next morning uh, for the most part. Um, and so I just wouldn't check my phone when I woke up in the morning and I rewatched the Bengals game or, or Virginia game or whatever. So, um, but it was fun. You know, there's a little American bar over there in Barcelona called Coco Vale. I was there once or twice a week getting some wings and, you know, <laughs> getting a taste of home. I like it. All right. Now, so l- last year when we did the final of the Pro-Am on TV, you were like literally heading over to Spain the next week. When do you head back to Greece to start the next year? Yeah, they haven't given me a date yet, but a little bit later, uh, late August, uh, maybe even first of September. So it won't be uh, as abrupt as, as last year. Well, it's it's good to hear that you are doing well. I am happy your experience over there went so well. Best luck in Greece. If I don't see you beforehand, I'll see you on August the 4th. And thanks for the time today, buddy. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thank you. You got it. Kyle Guy, kind enough to join us again. He is a big part of the effort behind the Dizzy Runs Pro-Am. So is Eric Shellhammer. So is Derek Grant. And thanks to uh, DG, uh, as, as he is better known, as I can call him kind of by the full name. Uh, but we, as an ISC, lucky enough to broadcast that championship game last year. Certainly the plan coming up this year. And always appreciate catching up with Kyle on the program. With that... The phone lines are now open to you. The topics are now open to you. And again, basketball is always in session or in conversation uh, here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Other two guests that we had on, again, we'll talk a little IndyCar. 
Not a lot after the 500, but I'm certainly happy to do it with race winner Christian Lungard. And then, like I said, when I'm on the program, you know the drill. Going to talk a little more high school sports, going to talk a little more soccer. And so we had Grace Barr of the Indy 11 women on the program because they are playing for their league championship uh, coming up on Saturday afternoon. So that's been kind of the topic so far. If anything of those um, interest you, feel free. Phone lines are available. Nothing but air and opportunity. 317-239-1070. Or you can interact with me on Twitter, kind of like these two listeners did earlier in the program. Now, one of them, you know, he 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 hit me up um, on his Twitter handle, but you probably don't know him by name. You probably better know him as Cloney Dungy. Given name is Mike Bostic. And he hits me up and goes, tennis talk. I like it. Well, it's Wimbledon, so we have a little tennis talk in the program. The other person that wanted to talk to me um, in terms of uh, yapping about a, 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 a yapping about soccer is Chris on Twitter when he said, it'd be awesome you could get, hi, my name is Seton. That'd be Seton O'Connor of the Dan Patrick Show. On the midday show on Wednesday, Seton's Twitter commentary and U.S. soccer is awesome and hilarious. Well, Chris, what you may not know is that Seton and I are actually like friends in real life. Not only on television, and Seton was on Soccer Saturday about three weeks ago when the Indy 11 played Hartford, and Seton's son plays for the Hartford Athletic Academy. So he's legit. So, um, not that I don't have a problem getting Seton back on the program again. Maybe he's a little busy, you know, doing his own show from 9 until noon. But if you do want to hear Seton and I have a conversation about soccer, all you got to do is log on to the podcast page at 1075thefan.com uh, and you can go back and listen to the two of us have a conversation about the sport, but I appreciate the suggestion and the uh, interest uh, with that. Again, 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. Um, briefly, the Indiana Pacers did finish their summer league yesterday and lost to the Pistons by a score of 185. Um, obviously, the guys that you knew were going to be on the roster that were the veterans, veterans meaning they've been with the Pacers for a year or two, once those guys stopped playing, the results tended to kind of fall off for the Pacers in terms of the summer league. And once you get to a certain point in the summer league, the thought is, hey, let's just make sure our guys stay healthy, and the Pacers were able to do that. Jarris Walker looked the part. He didn't play in the last game. Isaiah Wong is going to be on a two-way contract uh, with the team. Had 24 points in yesterday's game. Ben Shepard, who will have a full-fledged rookie contract. He had 12 points in yesterday's game. But again, that is as quickly in the rearview mirror as you can make it. Now it is, is there another roster move coming? Uh, and, And last week the conversation was, is it Pascal Siakam? And I said, hey, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him. I just don't think the Pacers actually have kind of the right piece to be able to get him back. I don't think what the Pacers could offer or would want to exchange would be tantalizing enough to get the Raptors to move on from him, even knowing he is entering a contract year. I saw another potential three-way deal uh, that had been rumored, even though uh, the site that I had seen it from said that contract co- or, or the the talks had stalled, 
But apparently the Pacers could have potentially ended up as part of a three-way deal with Evan Fournier coming to the Indiana Pacers. Just because of the number of contracts the Pacers have and the number of quality veteran players that I'm not sure there is going to be significant playing time for. Like, for example, we know Daniel Tice is a guy that that would fit someplace else. And there's four guys for kind of two roster spots in terms of the actual playing rotation. Everybody fits in the roster. But in terms of actual run, Miles Turner is going to get 30-ish minutes a night. And one of Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith is going to get the other 17 or 18 and after that, somebody's got, a couple of somebody's going to be unhappy. And for the most part, one of those guys was Daniel Tice last year, who basically played for like a month, if that. And that was the end of it. And you would think the Pacers would be looking to ship him. Again, for as good as T.J. McConnell has been, I still think the writing is on the wall with the amount of other guards they've got. Probably the guy they are looking to deal to get a quality piece back and and maybe even deal him almost as a thank you. Hey, thanks for being a consummate pro. Thanks for being a great teammate. Thanks for being a fan favorite. Uh, it's not fair to you if we're not going to play you. Let's move you someplace where you can help a contributing team, and he certainly can. He can help this team too. But again, you're, you know, in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. In this situation with the Pacers, the tie is going to go to kind of the young player in which you think there is a higher seedling. You've got to find, obviously, Halliburton's your guy. You've got to find minutes for Nemar, the combination of the one and two position. Those minutes got to come from somebody, whether, set, whether that somebody is in part Buddy Heald, whether in some, in some combination that somebody is McConnell. And so there's going to be, I think, another trade, another player move, but I'm not sure that happens immediately. Not sure that happens in September. That happens heading into training camp. Who knows? But I do think there is another subsequent Pacers move at some point in time in the near future. So we're talking about roster construction for the Pacers. Feel free. If you cannot wait to talk about the Indianapolis Colts, training camp starts in eight days. I am fortunate enough to be back for a 12th year of doing the postgame show. I am fortunate enough to be back for a fifth year of doing the preseason games on television, which probably means this here beard that those of you in the uh, YouTube lounge are looking at right now, probably going by the wayside at some point in time, sooner rather than later. Um, We can talk Colts. We can always talk Colts. That's kind of the the, the promo that you hear. There is no offseason. The offseason is a season. Whatever that promo is, well, the offseason's about over. If you want to talk about the horseshoes, we can certainly do that as well. Open phone lines when we come back from this timeout. Nick Yeoman of IndyCar Radio at the end of the hour. And then nothing but you and me from 5 o'clock on. 317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program. Greg at 1070thefan.com. We're back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good pull on Primus since I made the Primus reference on the program. 
And not that I have a problem with My Name is Mud. It was another Primus classic, though, that I was going to recommend to be on the program. Because who doesn't enjoy Winona's Big Brown Beaver? I mean, seriously, right? See, it works either way. But again, thank you for making the effort, James. I appreciate that. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show to Greg at 1070thefan.com. I get this on Twitter from my buddy Aaron Pittman. Aaron, of course, of virtual announcer and a stadium voice that you hear at multiple locations in central Indiana. And he posts this. With the signing of new Titans receiver DeAndre Hopkins, He is the only person on the entire Titans roster to have more receiving touchdowns than head coach Mike Vrabel. Vrabel scored 12 in his career while everyone else on the Titans had eight or less. Oh, and by the way, Mike Vrabel played defense. Well done, Aaron. Well played by you. Yes, he was the short yardage fullback uh, for a few years in Bill Belichick's schemes offensively in New England. But yes, it's true. And yes, DeAndre Hopkins has signed a two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. And yes, I think he makes them a better player. Although when they have tried to bring in veteran wide receiver talent in the past, it has not worked. Julio Jones immediately comes to mind. But you know, frankly, when they have signed veteran wide receiver talent, you know who else it hasn't worked for? Us here in Indianapolis. Andre Johnson has a Colt ring a bell for anybody. Um, So it, it happens too. And I am... I am to a point with the Colts team, and maybe it shouldn't be saying I am to a point. It's the fact that I think the Colts as a team, because there are so many question marks, because there are so many young pieces, and I've said this before over the course of the airwaves on a a variety of different things. Maybe it's because I spend so much time with coaches that, and and I don't do it like when I think my team's going to be 13 and four, but when I think they're going to be something short of that, I kind of bring all the focus back on, on the Colts. Like, do I expect the Colts to contend for division championship this year? No, I don't. Uh, am I hopeful that, that maybe they're competing for a playoff spot at the end of the year? Yes, I do. Because again, to get a wild card spot, nine, 10 wins can get you that. And let's hope this is a 500 or slightly better team. There's a chance it couldn't be. I mean, there are a lot of young, unproven pieces here, namely with the quarterback position. But I bring that up for this reason. I am so laser-focused on, hey, let's worry about the Colts, what the Colts do well, that if I don't think my team is going to be contending for a division championship, I'm not as worried about what the Tennessee Titans are doing. Or I'm not as worried about what the Houston Texans are doing. Um, the team that probably everybody should kind of lock in on is what are the Jacksonville Jaguars doing? Because that's the upside down world we live in right now is that the Jacksonville Jaguars um, are in the best position to win in the division. Titans probably second behind that. You know, there's a reason why the Colts and the Texans were drafting where they were um, you know, back in April. And so I'm excited about the Colts. I'm excited to see what Anthony Richardson can do. But there's so many questions about this team that I'm I'm not as concerned with the fact that the Titans brought in DeAndre Hopkins. I think I think it makes great sense for them because whatever reason, like, you know, every every franchise has like their position that goes, man, that's that's our bugaboo. 
Clearly, that's the one for the Tennessee Titans. Does that make them a better team? Yes. Am I sure if that puts them over the hump in terms of, well, that makes them a playoff team? I don't know. I think they got some question marks involved that as well. But thank you, Aaron. Um, I got no problem sharing that on the program today. Michael is up next at 317-239-1070. Hello, Michael. Hey, Rich. How you doing, sir? Hope Uh, you're having a great summer. I'm good. What do you have for us, buddy? I won't keep you long, but I was just wondering, with high school football being around 32 days away, have you guys put the schedule together for your season yet? I have put the schedule together for the season just yet. And, Michael, thank you for the telephone call. Uh, I won't bore the listeners with, like, reciting in week one we'll be going here i know that my schedule for high school football starts with fort wayne snyder and warren central that that is the game that i will have in week number one and i will have great games every week on isc sports network primarily focusing on carmel and the mick during the regular season we expand that during the course of the postseason and michael it is always good to hear from you Thank you very much for dialing in. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. One other thing that I wanted to share from a football standpoint, and I was going to share this because I found out about it uh, that morning. For whatever reason, it kind of slipped my mind as the uh, as the show was going on last Wednesday. I was here for the Fan Midday Show. And I've alluded to the fact that you will get the chance – Um, or you're burdened, maybe is the way to say it, with hearing me talk about the Colts in the postgame show um, every Sunday afternoon since we're playing like 1 o'clock kickoffs and largely nothing but for the entirety of the year. You'll hear me late Sunday afternoons, hopefully recapping more Colts victories than losses in the fall of 2023. And that this is going to be year 12 for me doing this. Well, it will be year one for me, though, without my partner in crime, Barry Krause. Barry has decided to retire from being a part of the Colts radio network. And Barry has had a largely on, occasionally off relationship with the Colts dating back to 1979. Spent five years with the Baltimore Colts, five years with the Indianapolis Colts. Once his playing days was over, uh, was briefly the analyst for Colts radio in terms of in-game. Then has been a part of the Colts Radio Network much longer than I had been. He was the post-game show host when I was brought aboard in the spring of 2012. Barry has been living out of Indianapolis now for the last couple of years. He's been commuting in for games from Tennessee and has elected to say, you know what, that amount of time on the road and time of travel back and forth, I think I am ready to let that go by the wayside. Barry doesn't look it. Barry is in his mid-60s and deciding, you know what, I think a little less wear and tear, a little more time with the grandbabies is what I want to do the most. So Barry let us with the Indianapolis Colts know that uh, effective as of last week. And I just want to say how much I have enjoyed my friendship with Barry, which long predates me um, doing the postgame show with him. Barry and I know each other for the better part of 25 years. And that friendship is is not going to go away. On the chance to see him as often, but like literally on the post game show, like we we bought each other like Christmas presents the last two and three years. I mean, there there is a genuine friendship that Barry and I have, that Bill Brooks and I have, um, and so I, while I am thrilled to be, continue to work with Bill, 
I will miss Barry terribly. So again, I wanted to make sure that while I had an open microphone uh, to be able to talk about it, just wanted to say, Barry, I love you. And thanks for the friendship, which is not going away. And thanks for making my job and doing the radio for the Indianapolis Colts so easy and so fun for the last 11 years. And it will not be the same without you. Now, while I have legends on the brain, I will switch sports. And while I'm talking about a guy whose playing days ended 30 years ago in Barry Krause, maybe the players I'm about to name, their playing days have all ended a little um, little sooner or closer than that. I'll make the switch from talking about football to talking about baseball. James, what do the names Ken Griffey Jr., David Ortiz, Albert Pujols, and Jim Tomei have in common? Well, I know they're all baseball players. They're all baseball players. They're all very good mm-hmm. baseball players. Um, they're not in the Hall of Fame all yet. They will be gotcha. uh, at, at some point in time. They also are all uh, very much guys that could exit the building rather quickly in terms of one swing. You know what else they may have in common? What's that? There could be a Legends Home Run Derby. Oh, that could be coming up very soon. Interesting. Obviously, Ken Griffey Jr. was back in the spotlight last week with the All-Star Game being back in Seattle for the first time in a long time. And if you want to feel old, Ken Griffey Jr. is now 53 years old. Junior, The kid is 53. Um, those other guys would be in their 40s. Tomei may be around 50. At this point, um, then again, he and, and, and Junior are a little further retired and removed from their careers than, say, Big Poppy and, and, and Albert Pujols. Obviously, Pujols, as the Sports Center commercial said, was the machine. And he played until, you know, the end of last year, until he crossed the 700 home run plateau. Ortiz, just because I got this question around on a trivia question amongst a buddy of mine, I have this specifically. He retired seven years ago. So he last played in in 2016. If I hadn't brought that up in conversation with a friend of mine two days ago, believe me, I wouldn't have had that just, you know, right off the top of my head and available for this conversation. But apparently, I saw this. I'm an athletic subscriber. And I saw this email with a Jason Stark article attached to it that the genesis of this obviously was the home run derby last weekend. And you are not asking... These all-time greats, but former professional athletes, because they're all retired now, and you know, in the midsection start to look not completely like me, but a little bit more like I would these days. You're asking out there and run the bases. You're gonna ask them to get out there and, and and go, you know, track down fly balls in the alleys or by the warning track. You're simply asking them to swing. And maybe you've got fewer rounds than you would have the home run derby. Uh, Maybe it's more of a one-time through competition as after five minutes (sighs) would be the sound you would hear on the the microphone of the guys being mic'd up. But I'm not going to lie. I I did not watch a single second of the home run derby. And again, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with the home run derby. I think I've kind of largely moved on from it. That's a me thing, not a baseball thing. But if you told me, hey, we're thinking about having a Legends Home Run Derby and you would 
you know, bring out guys more of this ilk. Let's face it. Um, let, let, let's let's get to the elephant in the room. Would you bring it? Would you bring in Barry Bonds for this? Would you bring in Sammy Sosa for this? Would you bring in Mark? You get you get where I'm going with this in terms of uh, you know the four names that I that, that I have given you seemingly don't get tied to PEDs like some of the other ones I just did. I'm not trying to open a can of worms with this, but do you bring back those guys that are still in some semblance of shape? Griffey's last year would have been like I think '09, so he's like 14 years I think. It's like 14 years removed from his playing days. Tomei would be somewhere around that vicinity as to when he stopped playing. If you had a Legends home run derby, would you tune in? I would. I absolutely would. Because, again, that is of my generation, all right, of when I watch more baseball than I do now. Pujols played for so stinking long. He's like of everyone's generation he played for 22 23 years but would what what i spent what i donate whatever night it was to watch the legends home run derby i would and apparently there's conversation about not just being like water cooler conversation but this actually taking place i think i'd tune in for that Maybe you would as well. 317-239-1070 is telephone number. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. You've already missed three guests on the show. They're all available on the podcast page at 1075thefan.com. Grace Barr of the Indy 11 Women. Christian Lungard, a winner on the IndyCar circuit for the first time and no longer the wearer of a, we can say it now that it's in the past tense, pretty hideous mustache and kyle guy all have joined the program so far we've got one more guest in the show today that would be nick yeoman of the indycar series he is back from toronto and he will join us next as you're listening to the ride without jmv greg rakestraw filling in 93.5 and 107.5 the fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. Eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I get most of John's references in the show. Not all of them. 317-239-1070, the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. John is back tomorrow, and for that, there is much rejoicing. Brian is up next. Nick Yeoman coming up in a matter of moments. Hello, Brian. How you doing, Greg? I'm good, sir. What do you have for us? Well, uh, and you may have already touched on this. I just got off work and got in the car, so I did hear the... Uh, uh, the reference to the Legends uh, Home Run Derby, which I think Correct. is an awesome idea. Correct. I think that it would be very cool. But two things I really miss out of the All-Star Games is uh, the players wearing their own home and, and away uniforms. Agreed. I, I always thought that was so cool. And the second thing that I really miss, and I don't know how long it's been since they've done this, but they used to do an old-timers game uh, prior to the All-Star Games. Uh, years ago, and it was old retired players that came right. out, and some of these guys were 
clearly nowhere near in ball in, in ball shape. <laughs> they were in um, round shape, is what they were then. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, Walker shape almost. Yeah, some of them. Um, but some of those games were so awesome just to see the old legends, the old timers that hadn't played in years. Um, I think that would be so cool to to, to start uh, to start something like that up again too. Well, potentially, Brian. Thanks for the phone call, buddy. I, I appreciate sure. you. But let me let me jump in and say this. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like uh, you know the the big three. Like if you're at home on a Sunday afternoon before you watch the PGA Tour, you can watch the the three on three of the guys that used to play in the NBA. I thought the greatest line about that ever came from our former morning man, Michael Grady, now the voice of Minnesota Timberwolves, when he said, Catino Mobley out there looking like Catino Mobley's dad. I don't even think I need to see that. I remember those old time. I remember like the, the old, the, I remember one specifically because one of the guys he had a home run has kind of made the rounds of, uh, of, of Facebook, social media recently. Like they used to play this game in D.C., the old National versus American, and and, and some old dude hit a, like in his sixties or seventies hit a home run, and that's cool. Then to watch him run around the bases, um, so I, I and I remember like the NBA did an old timers game and like dudes were blowing out knees, and I'm like I don't think I need to see that. Remember like the the um, the the uh, the Manning family documentary on you know that ESPN will trot out from time to time, the Book of Manning. And they're showing like Archie Manning playing in a game in like 1990, um, you know, in like full pads at Old Miss after he's retired. And I'm like, there's somebody may have like a heart attack as they're chasing Arch. I'm like, I'm not starting to see that. But a home run derby where you're literally just standing at home plate and swinging for the fences. Okay, that you may have my interest in. I'm not asking you to beat a bunt down to first base. We don't have all day for that. But swinging, okay, now you got my attention. We will uh, make a a left or a right turn because it's, you know, road and street circuits. This weekend, just left turns, no right turns for the IndyCar Series. And with that, we are joined by Nick Yeoman from the IndyCar Radio Network. Hello, my friend. How are you? Oh, Greg, I'm good. I hear you talking about old guys swinging for the fences, and all I think about is, like, let's pray for some rotator cuff hairs. <laughs> uh, no, let's not do that, uh, because as, as I have heard, you know, as I age, like like the most painful surgery and rehab you could have would be of your rotator cuff. So I would not wish that on anybody uh, at this point. How was Toronto this weekend? It was great. Uh, it's always a fabulous city. Love visiting Toronto. Uh, they're so supportive of, uh, of IndyCar racing. You know, a couple years ago when the pandemic hit, you know, you would talk about sports being affected in America. Uh, they felt it maybe uh, just as hard up north, and we, we didn't do that race for a couple years. And you always worry, boy, you go away from a race for a couple years, will people come back? But uh, the Toronto race fans are great. I know our entire crew enjoys it up there, and it was a really good race weekend there in the city of Toronto. Uh, Our friend and colleague, Jake Query, always makes it a habit to bring Canadian-only products back through customs across the uh, national line and then back to Indianapolis. Do you do the same? Uh, No, Greg. I I try not to. I don't want to get searched at customs. That's what I'm worried about. (laughs) I try to pack as light as possible 
Jake's always like trying to sneak in those mints or some coffee. It's no, I, I try to avoid those uh, those practices. All right, fair enough. Uh, we just had Christian Lungard um, on the program in the last hour talking about his win. He said the mustache is now in the past tense. It was gone as of the flight home from Toronto uh, last night. Your thoughts about him being a first-time winner in the IndyCar series? Yeah, I actually saw a video. They shaved it off in victory lane, so uh, he got rid of that <laughs> thing pretty darn quick after getting a win. Uh, it, it's a great story. I mean, Christian's a guy who who has kind of been steadily coming along, and, and I think the uh, thought process around him was, boy, he's pretty good. Is Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan holding him back a bit? Uh, obviously, you know, and, and folks around central Indiana know, just how much that Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team struggled in the month of May with Graham Ray Hall being bumped out of the Indy 500. And, and that organization needed to make some serious changes and make them pretty quick. Uh, they did that. Bobby Ray Hall and Mike Lanigan uh, changed their approach up. And I think it's helped Christian Lundgaard big time. I, I don't necessarily think, Greg, that the, the floodgates are about to open for Christian Lundgaard. He's not going to all of a sudden start winning race after race. But now that he's got one, that confidence is there, not only in himself, but in that team. I think he's going to be a serious contender to kind of mess with Alex Pelot's chase for a championship here down the stretch of the IndyCar calendar. You and I both tend to speak fluently in the language of snark and smartass, uh, and so I, I can ask you this question. What happened to Alex Pelot yesterday? He didn't win. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, all he was trying to do is become the first IndyCar driver since 2006 to win a fourth straight race and uh, just the fifth to do it since 1970. And, boy, he let us all down by finishing second. The consolation prize was how about a ninth straight top five finish. Uh, it, it was a pretty interesting day. For the first time, he was dealt a little bit of adversity, had to avoid a spinning at Elio Castroneves at about the midway point of the race, and he slapped the wall and caught the front wing, and it bent the sucker. And he had to race for about the second half of the race with a bent front wing, Great pitch strategy. The team got him in and, and topped off on fuel before a lot of drivers did, so they got him ahead of them. And then Alex did an unbelievable dri job driving a broken car, Greg, to finish in second place. He extended his points lead. And, and guys like Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon have to be sitting here thinking, man, we, we this guy finally gets dealt a bad hand, <laughs> and he still extends the points lead. He, he's having really a, a miraculous season, something we haven't really seen since. You know, we're looking at Juan Bontoya and Alex Zanardi type levels of dominance, but he, he is uh, living a charmed existence right now. And obviously, you know, so much of the story is going to be with it with seemingly, and I, and I hate to say this, with still two months of the season left to go, it being almost in the past tense that he is going to win the IndyCar championship. So now the question, anytime talk about Polo becomes. Is he driving for Chip Ganassi next year? Is he driving for McLaren next year? Is he driving in Formula One next year? As you look in your crystal ball, and I know you've got some sources involved in this as well, exactly whom is his employer as of uh, mid-September or beyond? I think he's going to have some options in Formula One, Greg. I, I really do, and I don't think it's only going to be with Zach Brown's McLaren stable. That's that's kind of always been a thought process. Hey, McLaren's got teams in IndyCar and Formula One. You latch on to Alex Pillow and promise him some opportunities to test in Formula One. And, hey, if it doesn't work out well, the worst thing you did is you stole Chip Ganassi's prime talent and he's driving an IndyCar for you. But I think there's going to be some interest in some other Formula One teams uh, for him as well. And, and there are going to be some very, very interesting discussions and as it you know you know applies to the IndyCar series, 
Greg, in terms of the silly season stuff, I think everybody is waiting for this gigantic domino to fall with where does Alex Pillow go? Because, you know, Mark James and I were talking about it this past weekend. We think half of the field could shake up and have drivers in new spots next year, and it all depends on Alex Pillow. I can't make a prediction, Greg. I just know it's really good to be Alex Pillow when you've got two IndyCar teams and maybe a couple Formula One teams knocking on your door. Uh, it's, it's blank check season for the young Spaniard. Again, Nick Yeoman, IndyCar Radio Network, and IndyCar off in the summer kind of has a one-week-on, one-week-off philosophy. That is not the case this time around. Uh, you're heading out to Iowa for two races. Uh, first of all, knowing you're a, a, a Midwestern boy at heart, and I see you out enjoying a little dirt track action. You're not calling things for either IndyCar or PRN, et cetera. The Bullring Oval, back-to-back days. Uh, your thoughts about being able to enjoy that this weekend? Well, I love it because I am a Midwesterner, as you mentioned, and I'm excited. Kind of bummed I'm going to miss the start of USAC Indiana Sprint Week, but those short Bullring uh, short tracks are, are really what I enjoy, and this is kind of one of the few opportunities IndyCar gets a chance to run on the high banks and uh, the short oval of Iowa Speedway. It's great. Massive concerts. We're going to try to get Carrie Underwood up to the booth uh, to sit with Mark James. I don't know if it's possible, but we're going to try to make it happen. But the action's always great there. It's, it's just a, an incredible gem of a racetrack. It's in the middle of nowhere. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> it is in the middle of nowhere in Newton, Iowa. You've got to, uh, you know, you know, stream through the corn to find the place. But uh, it's a great racetrack. It puts on great racing. And uh, Joseph Newgarden's got to be the guy that everybody looks at. He's led something like 7 million laps there over the last couple of years, Greg. He's been super dominant. But the action is always cool. It's like 27 IndyCars in a blender and you hit Priore. It's, uh, it's a fun racetrack. And I know everybody's looking forward to head to corn country. Maybe I should, my next question should be compare and contrast the IAD truck stop versus Bucky's. Uh, but but I, I will move on from that. Uh, as, as someone whom obviously you're paid by the series, you love what you do, you are a race nut. So as someone that would go for just the racing, your thoughts about about kind of the show, you know, the show, the concerts versus just being out there for a race. How do you kind of balance those two as an IndyCar fan? Yeah, I think if you're an IndyCar fan, you, you just have to accept that, man, these racetracks want to provide you the best bang for buck. And obviously, sure, there are going to be some folks there that probably have no interest in IndyCar racing, but you're hopeful that, hey, maybe they get exposed to it waiting for either one of these concerts to start, you know, at the front end or back end on either day. Maybe they get exposed to something they enjoy and they become an IndyCar fan just like you. So, um, I know like the ticket prices went up and some fans weren't too thrilled about that, but this has become a marquee event. Iowa Speedway and, and the Hy-Vee supermarkets knocked it out of the park last year. And uh, I think anytime you can take a regular feeling race weekend and turn it to a marquee event like they've done at Iowa Speedway, I think if you're an IndyCar fan, you got to be happy with it, even if it means that maybe the showcase isn't all about racing, but it's also about entertainment. All right. How are your Panthers going to be this year, my friend? Uh, I mean, listen, if, if Bryce Young proves that, you know, five, four quarterbacks don't get passes knocked down, uh, I think they're going to be okay. That division's not very good, Greg. You look around the NFC South, I think nine wins could get you in the playoffs. So uh, I'm hopeful, decent defense. You know Frank Reich very well, changing the culture up a little bit. And if Bryce Young is decent, hey, maybe I got something to watch this fall. There you go. Nick Yeoman on the IndyCar Radio Network. And there is two this weekend, Saturday afternoon three, Sunday afternoon two, NBC for your television right here 
93.5 and 107.5, the fan and other great radio stations, not to mention Sirius XM, where you can check out all the work this weekend as well. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your week and safe travels to and from Iowa. See you, Greg. You got it. Nick Yeoman, kind enough to join us in the program. And as of now, and I don't think these developments will change, that's it from a guest standpoint. So you have an entire hour either to hear me do a monologue and remember, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm an only child. I'm used to hearing the sound of my own voice. In all seriousness, like, you know how back in the day you'd have, like, you know, somebody would write in, like, a bathroom in your high school or, like, you know, carve on, like, the wooden desk. For a good time, call uh, my hand to God, my best friend carved in a desk for a good lecture and put my phone number on it. So I'm not sure I have a conversation with you instead of a monologue, but if we got to go monologue, it can be done. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. Our guests today have been great. Thank you, Grace Barr of the Indy 11 women's team, who will play for their W League championship coming up on Saturday afternoon at 2. Tickets available, indy11.com, 317-685-1100. Thank you to Christian Lungard. Now, no longer a mustache haver and now a race winner in the uh, IndyCar series. Thank you to, for, to Nick Yeoman for continuing to talk about that. And thank you to Kyle Guy for joining us to talk about the Dizzy Runs Pro-Am up in Noblesville. I'll talk about my friends at the City League coming up when I am doing the Fan Midday show on Wednesday. But the rest of this show is topics of your choice. Your phone calls when we come back. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Look at you doubling down on the wrestling references coming out of the break. Going old school, classic macho man, and then backing it up with a little introduction music for CM Punk. Look at you. Again, things that James could not do if it was John in the seat today, knowing I would appreciate it. My name is Greg Rakestraw, and you are stuck with me for one more hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I rattled off the guest list that we have had in the program today. The guest list is not going to change. All of our guests are able to join us during the 3 or 4 o'clock hour of the show, which means you get an hour of me and you talking about whatever you like. Now, John obviously has his Anything Goes segments. Has he been doing as many of these as of late? Uh, it seems to me I haven't heard as many of these. Maybe it's just me, like the times in which I am listening to the show. In other words, am, am I like ignoring like the end of the show by saying I've not been hearing anything goes as much? We haven't done it a whole lot, I think, as recently. Frankly, I, think- I would think that the summer is the time to do anything goes yeah. because there is less going on. I know we've replayed segments and stuff like that. I also segment. know, and, that, and that's that's not a that's not. Uh, that, that's a common, in case you miss this early in the show, here you go. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've all been there at, at this point. Um, but also, I know that's a thing that is often done at 6 o'clock. We have a Pacers game to get to at 6.30, which clearly has not been the case over the course of the last three months. Um, I have actually asked John in the past, hey, are you cool You know, if, if I do that on the program? 
I'm not going to do that on the program. But what I will do is say, listen, um, again, I'm happy to opine. I am happy to uh, converse with myself. I have that skill set. I'll bring in James for conversation. But I would much rather talk to you as to what you would like to talk about. 317-239-1070, the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program, greg at 1070thefan.com. There are certain people, when I see their name on the call screener, I kind of have an idea as to, A, not as to who that person is, but B, what is it that they want to talk about? That is the case as I say hello to Darnell, who calls the show right now. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Greg. I, t- I told the producer, James, that you were my former boss in the early 2000s at 950. I know. You I look the same, it. and I don't. I'm not sure how that works, Darnell. <laughs> no, I just wanted to uh, say, hey, uh, glad to hear you on Airways. And I just wanted to, if I could do a plug for, if I could, for, for tomorrow, we have a fundraiser. The Indy Thunder beat baseball team, which are t- we're going to the World Series in a couple of weeks. So I just wanted to plug, if I could, uh, the good people at Hoagies and Hops. And I think it's uh, – I don't want to get the – what's the pub? Chili Water. Chili yep. Water is doing a fundraiser tomorrow from 11 to 9. Uh, 10% of the sales go to the Thunder. So if anybody's in the area, uh, grab yourself some lunch or dinner or what have you and go grab yourself a frosty beverage and 10% of the pro- proceeds go to the Thunder. So we're looking forward to going to the World Series in a couple of weeks to see if we can get back on track and bring home World Series number six out of seven. And we know that you do a great deal with our with our organization and our team. We appreciate it, Greg. So, like I said, I'll be catching up with you in a few days about getting some DVDs from you. All right, so before I let you go, I know that you had some Indianapolis Indians players in the last couple of weeks get a little swings in with you, a little workout in with you. Tell me about that. Oh, it was great. I mean, so, so Friday, uh, last Friday, uh, the, uh, the 7th, we did a – about a 10-minute demonstration at Victory Field and about showing how beat baseball was played. And then Saturday, they bring over about three or four great, great guys from the Indians. Um, had a little, actually about a five-inning scrimmage because they went pretty quick because these guys were really, really good. They picked up the sport well, hitting, fielding, and base running. So, yeah, three of the Indians came and practiced at our facility um, and they had a really, really good experience. I'll be putting some pictures later on out on Twitter and Facebook page so you guys can see the amazing uh, hits and fielding they did with our team. It was just a great experience. And the Indians Charities is a great organization and a great program that, that helps our team and sponsors our, our, our organization and our team. So good stuff around good partnership with the Indians. Darnell, thanks for calling, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks. My man, Darnell Booker. He had, you know, obviously, you listen to like any of the shows, you'll hear Darnell's voice from time to time. Uh, Darnell uh, has been a friend of mine for, again, well over 20 years. But uh, he heads up the Indy Thunder Beat Baseball program. You don't know what Beat Baseball is. It is baseball slash softball for the blind and visually impaired. And I have been fortunate enough with Darnell. They have a regional event that is played at North Central High School every June. Uh, They bring in teams from across the country. And we've actually televised it on ISC. And it is remarkable what those athletes are able to do in terms of able to hit that ball Find a base 100 feet away that is making noise that they can't see because you'll have a, a, a mixture of those that are partially sighted and those that are completely blind, 
but to put everybody on a level playing field, everybody has a full mask on. Everyone is 100% sight impaired as they are playing the game. And what those athletes can do in terms of tracking down a ball, collecting it, running down the base paths, um, timing out a swing, um, it is beyond belief. Darnell's team has won numerous world championships. They did not win last year. Another team from Indianapolis called the Indy Edge won that championship last year. So two of the best teams at this sport in the world are based here in Indianapolis. And so Darnell took advantage of said open phone lines to call in and plug his organization, of which I was happy to do so because I'm a big supporter of what they do. And you can go to ISC Sports Network. You can simply go to YouTube and type in Indy Thunder Beat Baseball, and you'll probably be able to see some of the telecasts and broadcasts that we have done. And what that group does is remarkable. Not the fact that before the All-Star break last week for the Indianapolis Indians, they're off today. They're back on the road this week. They're back at home at Victory Field on July 25th. Um, I thought it was really cool that they brought some players over so they could experience this. And, you know, we talked in the last hour of the show about having a Legends home run derby. As far as, like, old dude sports, I think that's probably like the cap it. We have another phone caller that wanted to say, let's bring back the old-timers game. No, no, no. I'm not sure I need to be seeing that. But old guys swinging a bat for home runs, if they can still clear the fence – I'm into that. But I bring that conversation up in conjunction with Darnell because I have told him, I said, what you need to do is have like a ce- celebrity game, get dopes like me and other media types or anybody that wants to take you know part that has, has a camera, has a microphone, has a significant social media following to get more word about your organization. Put us out there in blindfolds and see how we would do. And so I will continue to kind of plant that seed uh, with Darnell. And hopefully before next year he does his beatball bonanza regional event in early June, we might have a little uh, celebrity beatball game. And I'm sure I'll make a complete and total clown of myself if I play because what those folks do is remarkably challenging. Randy has taken up the open challenge to yap with me for a couple of minutes. Hello, Randy. How are you? Hey, brother, it's Randy from the South Side, local insurance agent, and I, I see a lot of people in my office that have a lot of great charity that support, and you're right, I've seen beatball before. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, you, you, you take away, you know, someone's ability to see, right. and yet they still find a way to play a very competitive sport. It's a wonderful thing. Yep, very much so. What and uh, what I want to talk about is the Indy 11. I mean, it seems like they can't win at home. They play better on the road. That's got to be coaching. I don't. I don't think it's coaching, Randy. Um, I, I. I think it's. I, I think it's just kind of some misfortune. Um, and and I hope that a little time away because the guys played on Wednesday and then basically did not are not going to play again until Saturday. And I think the guys kind of scattered to the four winds for three or four days. Uh, I think that's the best thing that could have happened. I think they just kind of need to separate for a little bit, hit the reset button. There's talent here. Why it's not clicking, I'm not exactly quite sure. Indy 11 have won five times this season. Yes, four of them have been away from home. 
I'm not yep. sure what the problem has been here. I wish I had an answer for you. I guarantee you Mark Lowry wish he had an answer for it. I don't think it's well, coaching. Think of this, buddy, is that what killed me is the goaltending snafu. That was ridiculous on Saturday. You just missed timing the ball. And yeah. we had a couple of goals last year. Back to your goaltender, he wasn't there. I mean, it went in the net. So, yeah, I, I, it needs to get better. I hope so. Randy, thanks for the phone call, pal. I appreciate it. James, how many Indy 11 phone calls do you get on a regular basis on this program? Uh, generally none. Not many. So I, 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 we expand the purview of this show when I am here. I would like to hear John respond to that caller tomorrow, by the way. Huh? What? Randy, thank you. Uh, and the Indy 11 men do play Saturday night, 7 o'clock. You can catch that on WRTV Channel 6, part of an Indy 11 doubleheader that I have the pr- privilege of calling on a couple of different channels slash network from Carroll Stadium this Saturday. Bill wants to talk blue chips. Now, I am very fluent in blue chips, by the way. Hello, Bill. How are you? Greg, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I just got finished uh, watching uh, Blue Chips. I hadn't seen it in years. Bill, let me and, jump uh, in here real quick. I believe the 30th anniversary of the filming of Blue Chips was like a few weeks ago because it would happen before the NBA draft because that's the reason why the Magic wanted to get you know Penny Hardaway because Shaq kept telling, hey, go get Penny Hardaway because we played together in blue chips. So much like Ken Griffey Jr. being 53 ages us all, thinking that movie was filmed 30 years ago should age us all. Now the floor is yours. Please continue. Yeah, well, that's a, that, that's interesting, a bit of information there. And I, I just wanted to get your opinion on one thing. You know, kind of when you look back at that movie, if they had NIL back then, <laughs> and, uh, obviously it's a movie, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? And also, the greatest trivia question in the world, who got the music credits for the movie Blue Chips, whom also used to be in the legendary British blues band, the Yardbirds? Um, I, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna beat me on this one, Bill. So who gets the music credits for Blue Chips? Jeff Beck. Ah, very nice. The one, okay. The one and only Jeff Beck. But also in the movie, and I, uh, I'll get off here, but if you look at Shaquille O'Neal, I think Shaquille O'Neal did a pretty good job in that movie. Oh, he, 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 he was just himself, but but uh, he was he was pretty enticing. Well, clearly, was, you know, a lot of neon boudot, you know, would be construed as Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, he channeled his himself, but it was a sign, and Bill, thanks for the phone call. It was a sign of the pitch man that Shaq would become with what he did in that movie 30 years ago. You got to remember that, like, literally, like, and I, I'm, I, I've never seen the movie. I don't think I need to go back and watch Kazam anytime soon. But the fact that somebody, like, after their rookie year of the NBA gets, a, gets to be a, in a featured movie, albeit not a great movie, but still they made a, a, a major motion picture in which he was involved in more than a cameo role is impressive. I mean, having an athlete play another athlete, not exactly much of a stretch. But yes, there was a little bit of acting in there for Shaq. There was a little bit of acting in there for Penny Hardaway. A little bit of acting in there for Matt Nover. Of course, you know, this is where the this is the only <laughs> only state where, you know, if for some reason, A, we could have a random conversation about blue chips since it was, you know, filmed in Frankfurt uh, when it wasn't filmed in Los Angeles. Um, but it's also the only place where, you know, if somebody brings up blue chips in 49 states, 
It's just basketball. In 49 states, it's, hey, Shaq and Penny and that white dude uh, were the three players they focused on. Indiana, we go, hey, it's Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, and Matt Nover, you know, as Ricky Rowe. We have those things right off the top of our head. But a friend of mine, in fact, my boss at the day job was one of the extras in Blue Chips because he grew up around the Frankfurt area. And so he just happened to be having this conversation with me last Monday saying that he made it a point to introduce himself and shake the hand of Ed O'Neill, who obviously was the reporter in the movie Blue Chips. So we were just, I, in, in my life, that's why I was, Bill, happy that you called, just randomly happened to have a conversation about Blue Chips. And I saw this. I think on like the Indiana high school bands, Indiana high school basketball fans Facebook page in the last couple of weeks, like somebody put like like they charged admission to go watch the games in blue chips. Like three bucks, but you had to have a ticket to get in because what they basically did is they played games and they just scripted like the lob to win, like the very end of that game. That part was scripted. The rest, they just played and then filmed it and then kind of interspersed that in terms of the script of the movie. But the other thing that I would there, and, and I think I like because of the way that my memory works. Like now, because of gifts and memes and things like that, seemingly we all have instant recall of these quotes from movies or television shows, whatever, because of social media. The way that my brain works, I kind of always, you know, I had like that that clip art in my head. And if there are two movies from the 90s that I probably quote more than anything else or immediately pop into my mind, believe it or not, Blue Chips is one of them. And we used to, and I don't, I don't think they still do it, there used to be this promotion here with the station with College Choice 529. And we give away like scholarship money every summer as somebody was going off to college. And we used to have a, a and this was really loosely themed, we used to have this, this soundbite we would play from a different movie that had some sort of college tie. And we would play one from Blue Chips, and it reminded me about this line from Pete Bell, you might know him as Nick Nolte, when basically in his press conference, as he's kind of melting down about the cheating that had been going on at woo-woo, WU, Western University, the Mighty Dolphins that played their home games at Case Arena in Frankfurt, um, when he basically goes, it's about the money. It's about the blankety-blank money. And that applies to so much in life. If there's two movie clips from the 90s that I would say even I live my life by, one of them is that line right there. It's about the money. It's about the GD money. The other one would be Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive when Harrison Ford, as Rich Dr. Richard Kimball, goes, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones, with his hands up, says, I don't care. Like, I could literally rotate those two. Like, I could 
I could go through a, a lengthy conversation just alternating those two answers. It's about the money, and I don't care. And that would get me through a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis. On that note, we'll take this quick time out. When we come back, more of the same. So let's recap, shall we? This segment, we talked about beat ball, the Indy 11, and blue chips. That's my kind of open. It's like a mad lib on the radio. It's my kind of open phone line segment. Let's do that again, shall we? 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter or email the show greg at 1070thefan.com. If you can't find something better to do, come on back. We're back after this on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. A real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. What musical theme are you leading me now into? I have not been able to deduce this. And um, people that are watching on the stream, uh, let's see my follically challenged head uh, not wearing headphones. So what am I missing here, James? Uh, this is Lionel Richie's Dancing Dan- on the Ceiling. Dancing on the Ceiling. Any particular reason why we we're dancing on the ceiling, or are you just having that good of a time hanging out with me? I'm just having, I'm just having a You're blast. You're just enjoying and just life. Absolutely. Very good. I appreciate it. I didn't know if there was a specific like movie reference that I just completely biffed in terms of listening to that. Oh, no. Just like Lionel Richie. Just enjoy you some Lionel Richie on a Monday. God bless you. Greg Rakestraw in for JMV. It's the ride on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan... And again, uh, I have no problem admitting to you uh, that uh, you know we're we're kind of we're kind of in that holding pattern, or we're kind of playing that waiting game. Um, we're not playing a wicked game with Chris Isaac. We're not playing the crying game either. Uh, we're kind of playing that waiting game. Not necessarily waiting on the world to change, but waiting. I want to say on the world to change again, just kind of waiting for for that level of pause. But Colts training camp is eight days away. Move-in day is next Tuesday. Uh, they'll get the workouts going the following day. Just will be a little while before they kind of hit the pads and and get running. But all things Indianapolis Colts start to dominate the airwaves as of next week. And I'm happy to have a Colts conversation with you now if you'd like at 317-239-1070 or on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw or via email at Greg at 1070thefan.com. We're kind of waiting on that. The Indiana Pacers, hey, listen, uh, because of the draft, because of free agency, because of the summer league, you know, we talk a lot of blue and gold in June and July. But now we have finally truly hit that offseason, both from the Pacers but the larger NBA perspective. There are still deals out there to make in terms of exactly where Damian Lillard is going to be. We all think Miami is a done deal, but I'm pretty sure that's not official just yet. And there are other corresponding player moves that need to take place. But as it relates to the Indiana Pacers, there is still this expectation. Could be a major move. Maybe it's not. But there's still a roster move or two that is out there to be made. But we're kind of waiting on the Pacers to make that move. And there's also 
you know, no real pressure. Maybe that takes place tomorrow. Maybe that takes place the end of September. Maybe that takes place during training camp. You don't really know. Free agency moves, largely considered good ones that were made, you know, two or three weeks ago. The draft, we're not talking about, you know, three, four weeks ago at this point. So we're kind of waiting on that too. The Reds have been obviously a big topic of conversation. Well, because um, I'm not saying the Reds are the dominant baseball interest in this town. The Reds and Cubs, and then you kind of secondarily get to White Sox, Cardinals, and whomever your favorite team might be. But if the Reds or Cubs are good, if we're going to talk about Major League Baseball, it's probably going to be because one of those two teams are pretty good. And the Reds were great the span of about four or five weeks. And I'm not saying they're trash now, but maybe we've dialed back that fervor just a little bit you know, because they were just swept at home by the Brewers and relinquished first place. But by those that follow the Reds on even a more regular basis than I do at this juncture of my life, people have said, listen, you know, you've, you've seen Ellie De La Cruz and he's been transformative. I mean, crowds went from witness protection program to I can't get a ticket. Thankfully, I'm going to go on Thursday and look forward to seeing him in action for the first time at, at Great American Ballpark. But here's the other example I'll give you in terms of the impact that Ellie De La Cruz has had, not just on the Reds, you know, but in baseball in general. Uh, I just spent the last two days doing a youth baseball tournament that we at ISC have done for the last several years called the Greater Lafayette World Series. There are players, uh, 14U, 615U, 16U, 17U, uh, players from across the state of Indiana that play in that event, uh, teams that come in from Michigan, Illinois. There was a team from Mexico that played in that event. And as part of doing those games on TV, we sent out a questionnaire to players, so we have a little something to talk about. You know, most of them we can, especially the older kids, I can pretty much find, you know, this is where this guy played high school baseball. Here were his stats, et cetera. We also ask him, hey, who's your favorite team? Hey, you know, what are your college plans? What are you thinking about doing? Favorite athlete and something else other than than baseball? Yada yada yada. But the 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 stat that I tend to, or the the biographical information I tend to hammer home, it'll always be, hey, so and so says he's a Reds fan, or so and so says he's a Cubs fan, and here is his favorite player. You're gonna hear me type, um. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a serial typer um, to, to look this up. But Ellie De La Cruz made his debut with the Reds June 6th. So he has been in the majors now for 41 days. Okay. Think about the impact he's had on the Reds in terms of their attendance in terms of their spot in the standings. But more than a handful of the players that I talked about over the course of the last couple of days said, who is your favorite major league player? And the answer was Ellie De La Cruz. And he's been in the bigs for less than six weeks. That's crazy. Part of it is our short attention span in life, and part of it is the jaw-dropping things he has done already at this stage in terms of hitting for the cycle, in terms of stealing home plate, in terms of stealing three bases basically in two pitches. Again, what he has done has not been stat-driven. It's been, oh my God, look at that moment-driven, which has been so cool. 
But apparently, there's even more talent coming in behind him. So the next big thing in Cincinnati, Christian Encarnacion Strand, officially called up. Not sure I haven't seen the Reds lineup. Maybe he's in the lineup. Don't know. But the Reds' number five prospect now joins Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain um, as the kind of guys that are thought to be the key future components of the team. And I don't have this stat in front of me. I believe now that the Reds have had 16 players make their MLB debut this year. And normally you say something like that when your team is like, you know, like the Oakland A's. When you're literally playing yourself into another market. Not when you're six games above 500 and potentially in contention for first or a wild card spot. By the way, the Reds are two games back of first. And in terms of a wild card position, they're basically about the same. So while they've lost their last four, while they were swept coming out of the All-Star break, all is not lost as a Reds fan. And the Giants, in which they are starting a four-game set with tonight, are another team in which they could be battling for a wild-card spot if they don't or aren't able to catch the Brewers. And by the way, there's still 68 games left to go. And to the Reds' credit... They have said, yes, we are still building with young pieces, but yes, we'd like to be able to get those guys some playoff experience while we have the opportunity. And so the Reds are still being very indicative that they will be potential buyers at the trade deadline, which I think is a wonderful thing. And apparently, by those that follow the team, again, closer than I do these days, there's an additional wave of minor league talent available where they could be potentially dealing some younger minor league prospects, knowing they've already got a team full of prospects that it's on the major league team right now. So if you want to talk a little Reds, because I haven't really talked Reds on the program today, you can do that as well. The phone lines still remain open to you at 317-239-1070. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, or you can even old school email the program if you would like. Greg at 1070thefan.com. Thank you, Jason, for tweeting to me when I said, I know Encarnacion Strand is on the roster. I don't know if he's in the lineup. By God, he's in the lineup. Thank you, Jason, for sending that my way. He'll be hitting sixth. Ellie De La Cruz leads off. I love saying that. McLean hits third. India, not a rookie. And you know, it's, it's amazing to think that you know, the, the, the Reds, there has been talk about, do they have to move India, who was like their prospect, what, like last year, to make room for other guys? He's like the old veteran. Oh, and by the way, I had this conversation last week when I was doing the, um, when, I, when I was doing the uh, midday show. We had Mo Egger on the show, and Mo, of course, does a great job. Is literally on right now on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And... The contract of Joey Votto, I think, expires. The team basically had the team has a, a, an option for twenty million dollars next year, but it's not a player option; it is a team option for next year. I'm literally pulling this up to make sure I'm saying this correctly. That is correct. Turns forty next year. Club has an option, not player, to keep him for twenty million dollars. 
And obviously, Votto can, well, let's face it, Joey Votto still bangs, right? That's what we talked about. So I just say it on social media, and it's very accurate. Look at what he has been doing. There is obviously the personality that he is. There is what he has meant to the team. And it would not surprise me, knowing the – and again, are, are the Reds a little frugal at times? Yeah. It's the nature of, of being a smaller market team in Major League Baseball. And there's been some that have thought, hey, maybe the Reds bring him back for a lower number. Given how young the Reds are, you can frankly kind of afford to pay Joey for one year, almost as kind of a send-off contract. That instead of having to go through this negotiation period of saying, hey, we love you, but only this much, you can simply say, hey, we're going to pick up your option. He'll be making a little bit less than he did this year. But you're not having to pay hardly anybody else on that team big money. You will at some point in time. But not right now. Let's say you don't bring Votto back on $20 million for that one year. Knowing you're paying everybody else pennies on the dollar. Especially for some of those guys for what they might earn in the future. By the way, it helps if I could count. Encarnacion Strand is seventh in the lineup, not sixth. My apologies. So a little Reds conversation, we can do that too. Whatever the conversation. Listen, if I can do a segment on Beatball, Indy 11, and, bl- and, and Blue Chips, we can talk about whatever in sports you would like to talk about. 317-239-1070, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. Your phone calls, your tweets, your emails to wrap up the show next. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Three, sir. Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You can play as many of those as you'd like to, by the way. Always down with Monty Python references on the show. I'm not sure that's John's thing. That is more kind of my level of shtick. And while that's from the early 70s, I was introduced to that during my high school formative years, like summer of 1992. In fact, I literally just booked like a friend's weekend getaway. I got us like a a condo here in downtown Indy coming up for a couple of weekends. And I'm sure there will be much rejoicing, also a Monty Python reference, when we all get together. And perhaps the Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch might be mentioned as part of that. Mike would like to steer the conversation back to baseball. And for that, it's probably much rejoicing. Hello, Mike. How are you? This is actually Macho Mike. Now, Macho, you will will get a kick out of this. Hello, Michael. Um, With the anniversary of Victory Field being 27 years old last Tuesday, you know what I put on Twitter and I uncovered, Macho Mike? YMCA. I uncovered a video of you from the first night of Victory Field dancing to the YMCA. Did it look good? It looked magnificent, Mike. Guess, guess what? What? A week ago Wednesday on Teresa's birthday, I pointed up to heaven. I threw out first pitch at the Indians game. Very cool. And then last week ago Sunday, I pointed up to heaven at the Gainbridge Field House, and I danced at the Fever game. Very nice. What are you going to do to celebrate this week, Mike? 
this week I'm going to just celebrate life and special people like you. Well, thank you. you. You're one of my favorites and everything. Oh, Angel sends you a hug. Well, I appreciate that. Anything else to discuss with you this evening, buddy? Real quick, yo, hi, Angel. Uh, Hi, Angel. I know she's wagging her tail for you. God bless you, Greg. You're great, great, and take care. And unfortunately, my team is lousy this year. And your team is? Cardinals. Well, I won't hold that against you, Mike. Thank you. Again, I, I still am not sure whether I'm more excited about the Reds winning or the Cardinals being in last place. It's neck and neck. It's what keeps me going when the um, you know the Reds are losing. I still look at the standings and the Cardinals are struggling, and that just makes me smile. 317-239-1070, send me the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. You can always email me to greg at 1070thefan.com. And yes, uh, last Tuesday was the 27th birthday of Victory Field. And we, as in the day job for me, as in the ISC Sports Network, we are lucky enough now to produce uh, Indianapolis Indians home games as part of the Bally Sports Live app and MILB TV. And we have access to like the video archives. So a couple, three weeks ago, we came across just kind of like almost like in somewhere in storage on somebody's hard drive someplace. We came across these these files of the opening day of Victory Field. And it was this wonderful time capsule of what we all looked back back in 1996. Uh, and and uh, fashion sense was some degree in question back then. We also had like this random, and we didn't put this on social media, but those of us in the ISC office got a kick out of it. Um, there was this couple um, that was in front of the camera that thought, you know what? It, it, the, the best way to celebrate the opening of Victory Field is for you to get a close shot of us making out. We didn't put that, that, that was strictly for the office Christmas party, uh, that, that we, we did not put that on social media, but I'm like, guys, are, are, are we seeing, you guys seeing it? Yeah, I are watching this. Okay. All right. All right. Well, apparently that was the way to celebrate, uh, the, the debut of Victory Field. I'm glad they enjoyed themselves back on, um, July 11th of 1996. And if there is a 26 and a half year old out there named Victor, you may have been the result of that evening at Victory Field. Perhaps that, that that's the way that things played out, but yes, we would not have been able to put that video out if we did not include Macho Mike Sullivan dancing on top of the Indianapolis Indians dugout and enjoying a little YMCA. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. Uh, in case you want to go back and listen to this show again in podcast form, you can. 1075thefan.com. Uh, I think our interview with Christian Lungard, I have been told by the suits in charge, and by the suits in charge, I mean Eddie Garrison, who never wears a suit, uh, that the Lungard interview is going to be on instant replay coming up in the next hour of the show. But Christian was one of four guests to be on the show today. Uh, he and Nick Yeoman both talking all things IndyCar. IndyCar guys are back in action in Iowa for two races this weekend, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Uh, hear both of those here on the fan we had grace Barr on the program and if i didn't if i stopped right there you'd go who's grace Barr?" well grace Barr is one of the members of the indy 11 women's soccer team who will play for their w league championship coming up on saturday afternoon uh i'll be doing the midday show wednesday i'm sure we'll talk about it then but get your tickets um grand park has been more full than not 
to watch the Indy 11 women's team. Grand Park filling up takes about 2,000 people. Filling up Carroll Stadium will take about 10,000 people. There was an Indy 11 women's match last year against Detroit City, uh, which would have been like the second Saturday in July, and had a great crowd, had about four or 5,000 there. But if you happen to be a soccer dad, or simply put, you happen to be the parent of a daughter who wants to potentially play a high school sport, a college sport, maybe even dreams to play professionally. She wants to play, man. And again, you've got the U.S. Women's National Team, the two-time defending World Cup champions, who will open up their title defense on Friday night at 9 o'clock against Vietnam. Then they'll play the Netherlands and Portugal to round up the group stage over the course of the next eight or nine days or so. But if you're like, all right, I've got a kid that's thinking about whether it's playing soccer or playing a sport. This is a wonderful chance to kind of plant that seed in their minds. All right, hey, this is one of the steps you take to be able to do that. Indy 11 women's team has players that have played in Spain, the NWSL, uh, the Netherlands. I think Sweden would be amongst that group. But they have several former pros that are on the team that are back here in Indianapolis. And as I said earlier, uh, just thinking out loud about the starting 11, the local high schools represented of those that play in no particular order, Carmel, Triton Central, Delta, Noblesville, I think that counts for two of the players, Zionsville, I'm probably forgetting um, you know, a, a player or two in terms of the local players. But then you've got players that have played at, at Butler, players that have played at Purdue, kind of expanded through the Midwest. You've got Xavier and the University of Louisville, very well represented. Re- very well represented. It is a very high level of soccer. It is a great way to showcase potentially being a professional athlete, again, to your daughter. But you don't have to be a, a, a girl dad to enjoy it. You're going to simply be a sports fan. They're really good. I, I didn't have, I, Lord knows I try to be two places at once. And through the magic of audio tape, often I am. Not today. I'm, I'm live. You're, if you're watching, I'm, I'm really here. It's, you know, almost 5, you know, 48 on a Monday afternoon. I'm in vivo right now. But there are times when I'm not um, because I'm off doing something else. I could not be in two places at one time on Friday night. So I did the IFCA North-South All-Star Game at Decatur Central. So I couldn't be at Grand Park to watch the Indy 11 play. Ian Gilmore did a great job of filling in for me, by the way. But as I am broadcasting the IFCA North-South All-Star Game, I literally have like all of my stats laid out in front of me. And I've got my phone with the Indy 11 women's game kind of like kind of like on off to the side. I don't think it distracted me from the play-by-play, but there might have been a few confusing fist bumps or fist pumps for Lance Scheib as I'm reacting to the Indy 11 scoring a goal. That match was phenomenal. Indy scored, San Francisco answered. Indy scored, San Francisco answered. And I knew I was going to leave out of high school. The rebuffed Jesuit grad that won the match for the Indy 11, Aliyah Martin, who played again professionally and played at the University of, of Michigan, 
Um, that came with like a minute left to go. It was an amazing match. I hope the final is anywhere close to as good and as interesting and as competitive as that match was on Friday night. So I, I realize for some when I'm doing this, soccer's not your thing, and that's okay. I'm I'm not the person that gets offended when somebody says, hey, man, I love you when you do X, Y, and Z, but, but not soccer. It's okay. Not for everybody, all right? But in a time, there's maybe a little bit less going on locally in sports, and in a time when women's sports and women's soccer is going to be something that is on your television screen a lot and talked about a lot, over the course of the next month, here is a wonderful chance to see the game played at an exceedingly high level locally. So I hope to see a packed Carroll Stadium Saturday afternoon. One more time for this show, the ticket plug, 317-685-1100 or indy11.com for more information. Uh, so Grace Barr joined us in the program and Kyle Guy joined us on the show as well. James, anything that I have missed, that I have been delinquent in my duties in terms of talking about on the program today. Because I think, again, like I said, I, I use the example of the first segment of this hour. If we can go from beat ball to Indy 11 to um, blue chips in one segment, I think we have gone the old ABC Wild World of Sports. I think we have spanned the globe. But is there something I have neglected through two hours and 50 minutes of the show so far? I really can't think of anything, especially uh, at this point point of the year right now since we're kind of waiting on the Colts and Pacers are done with the summer league I mean I think we've pretty much covered all in other words what you're telling me is you understand why John took the day off today yes I am (laughs) this was a day to hand the baton off to somebody else and say hey listen you fill three hours I'm gonna go do something else now what John would have done on his day off I'm not sure John doesn't really golf all that much may have mowed his uh his yard his yard that would have been and probably shirtless yeah that would have been the 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 the, the pick to click to use the old hawk harrelson line that was my even money favorite mm-hmm. that there was acres of of a, of a of yard mowing from a shirtless uh jmv down on the morgan johnson county line that was what was going on on the far south side that was the social event close to malvo run winery uh of today uh, John will be back tomorrow, and I'm sure you will all be exceedingly happy about that. Still time for a phone call, for a tweet, or an email if you want to join the conversation. 317 239 1070. Greg at 1070thefan.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw. Because uh, I'll be honest with you, too. This is kind of like my, like, I'm not getting away, so to speak. This is kind of my last chance to take a breather before it gets, you know, even crazy for me. And I've, I've talked about this in, in kind of a couple different um, venues, methods, etc. But I often talk about the start of what, what would be, used to be that the brickyard would be around here. And the brickyard obviously has changed so many dates over the course of the year. Um, but it used to be around this time on a more consistent basis. And it used to be around this time where we had the RCA championships or then the actually the Indianapolis tennis championships and I joked that was the start of the sports fiscal calendar that once that happened then it was you know all the way down in terms of yep after that this happens after that this happens etc etc well now that event really is the start of Colts training camp and move-in day 
that is seven days from tomorrow. Because then once that happens, you kind of start checking boxes quickly. You have a week of training camp. And then at the end of week number two, you play a game. And the next week, it's game number two. But that same weekend, it's the start of the high school football season. And now the next week, it is week number three. And then after that, it's Labor Day weekend and it's college football season. And then it's here. So it might seem like a slow period now as the introductory theme to championship wrestling. If you grew up in southern Indiana, Memphis wrestling at is known nationally. Like I expect to hear Lance Russell and Dave Brown when I hear this music. Sean Ash, that's what we're going as, by the way, for Halloween this year, just so you know. But when you hear this, it means it's time to wrap it up on this program. My job has been done. I have filled enough airtime. Thank you very much. It's going to get busy again soon. John is back tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks for up with the substitute teacher on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.